On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt Nick will finally put their top live-action Star Wars moments to bed with a recap of the sequel trilogy's best scenes. Before that, though, they'll talk about Matt's travels out beyond the Dune Sea, some ISS, and Daisy Ridley quotes about her new Star Wars project. Of course, the show will end with the Question of the Week segment and the latest round of Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features. Punch it, Chewy. Hey, now, everybody. To the Star Wars Time Show. Woohoo! Oh my goodness, I do not have my helmet on. Sorry about that, people. If your eyes feeling like they're burning, that's my bad. Sometimes my forehead these days acts as a reflector. All right, my wife loves it, gives her a tan in all directions when we're at the beach. It just kind of radiates off the top of my dome. But hey, how's it going, everybody? Got the wrong uh, screen pulled up. Let me fix that. Let me fix that, because we, we want to talk about these guys first for a little bit. Before we get into our topics of the day, you know how we do over here. We usually have a little round of pop culture talk to get you caught up on what Nick and Matt have been doing over the past week. Be it something lame, something cool, something you should maybe dive into. You know, we, we, we don't have new Star Wars this week, Nick. No bad match to break down. So we are returning to our top live action Star Wars moments that we started, which seems like way back in 2022. We're going to wrap it today with part four, our top sequel trilogy moments. And yes, people, it was more than just the credits rolling. We have 16 of them, 15, I can't count, who knows. But we got them up there. We're going to talk about something Daisy Ridley's been saying about the new movie. What does it mean? Does she know anything? Uh, is it ever going to happen? Who knows? But of course, before we get there, it's pop culture talk. All right, Nick. So, you know, last week I kind of teased that I was going to link up with the dudes over at Beyond the Dune Sea. Mm -hmm. All right. Our, our buddy Press Pause Photography, a.k.a. Connor, he filled in for you a few weeks ago. You know, they started a little project back during the Ahsoka run, and, you know, it's turned into quite the little program. They built a nice little audience, and, um, you know, it's just, it, it, they're the one other Star Wars fan channel that I can actually give some attention to and not feel like I want to, you know, slip my slip my throat. I mean, that's, that's just how it goes, you know what I mean? So, um. You know, I had him on and we were talking and, and we were talking about, you know, doing future link ups, trying to get young Nick in there, because I think the four of us would have a hell of a time. Uh, you, you know, Nick's a little more stable like those two. I, I'm the one that kind of brings some of the, the screw loose mentality to the conversation. But I, I, I think Nick would have a good time talking to them. He, he's kind of in their their age range, especially Seth. Seth, to me, man, he's, he's just like he, he's like a, a modern day hippie. How, you know how I mean? old are they? Connor, I don't believe, is even in his 30s yet. I think Seth is probably right around you, 30, what are you, 34, 33, something I like that? 36. Yeah, all right. Well, look at look, look at young Nick. He, he's uh, When he hits 40, if we're still doing this, I might have to 
change the change the nickname. You never know. We'll <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, they're 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 in your your generation. Although you know you're you're not quite the prequel Kool Aid drinker as most kids your age, which which I do appreciate. <laughs> I, you know, we're not we're not here to poop on the prequels. Hopefully, those of you that tuned into Beyond the Dune Seas Hot Takes episode last Friday that I was on. Yeah, you could see that we can have some fun even if we don't agree on Star Wars. I'd actually say it's the model of how Star Wars fans should behave, especially when you have very drastic opinions, especially on hot take type of material. I mean, that that's the that was the point of the program was to say some pretty, you know, wild shit. I mean, one of mine that I dropped nicked is it, and I know you would agree with me, so it's not even a hot take on this show. But George Lucas is a subpar director. You know, that that's yeah. the type of stuff. Like, yeah. That's, that's the type of stuff we we're talking about. That's like a and very then, lukewarm take. So much so that well, he didn't I don't even, know, man. <laughs> over there, over there, I took it on the chin a little bit. That was a borderline sacrilegious. So yeah, I mean, uh, but a good a good one for me that got me going. And they just dropped a clip of it today. So make sure to check out at Beyond Dune C on on YouTube. I, I'm such a great cross promoter, by the way. I put out all these clips with press pods. I don't think he shared a single one. The moment they shared the Beyond Dune Sea with yours truly, because I'm such a narcissist and I love to see myself, I shared it like 900 times. But anyways, he got me good because one of his hot takes, and it was perfect for us because we just did our special topic on this, Nick. He said, and I still can't believe he said this out loud with a straight face, Seth said that the special edition edits are great. Well, I mean, that it's not surprising given that like they're coming from a generation that's like the prequel generation and the prequel generation is built around what can we do with special effects and all that the special editions are is what is George just saying, well, what can I do with special effects? And it's just like a, it's an appreciation for a different type of filmmaking, you know, like I think that the people over there, like Seth and Connor are much more appreciative of like what you can do with a computer and we're a little bit more appreciative of what you can do with a pen and paper, like like the writing and the storytelling and I, and everything. You are like that. I I do think you're on to something, especially when it comes to the changes to Return of the Jedi. It, you know me, my heels are dug in on Ewok Celebration, aka Yubnub. I, I just I still contend that <laughs> that's the song to go with. But what I got over there, Nick, from them was like, well, well it. It didn't really feel like an ending to a trilogy. It felt like an ending to the movie. That's why we like the the crappy victory celebration that gives us the bootleg late 90s CGI tour of the Star Wars galaxy showing them celebrate. I'm like, all right, I, I, I guess. But in 1983, when there were no prequels and you didn't know about Naboo and all this other crap, Ewok celebration was perfect. Yeah. And, Beautiful. And I think that like... It just like the the ending at the end of ROTJ now just feels like it's a like it, it's very bland, I would say. It doesn't like, seem natural either. Like it, you can tell it's like, oh, let yeah. me shoehorn this stuff. In. And it's also like, well, let me show these planets that none of these characters have been to. Like, let me show you, you know, like here, here's Naboo. Nobody in these three movies have, has ever been to Naboo or, you know, and it, it was it was more of a a reaction to what Star was Wars coming. Yeah. Like, yeah, or was like yeah. what Star Wars had become. Right. Um, then it was an appreciation for the movie that was, you know, and, and I think that 
and, and it makes even less sense now, given the fact that there are now sequels. So you do a closeout at the end of ROTJ that is supposed to be like this wrapping up the universe type of thing. <laughs> Yeah, and then in the day later, Operation Cinder kicks off. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then now we have, you know, three movies that happen after it. We have a whole, you know, roster of TV shows that happen after it. So like, yeah, at the time that George made the decision to put that in, he felt like, oh, it's a, it's a bow. But realistically, what happened is like it was it, it could never be a bow because if that was the case, then Star Wars had no history beyond episode six, and some people would prefer it that way, but that's just not how it is. So, so <laughs> Pretty now, much anyone that answered our question of the week, Nick, yeah. you're right. So, so now what has happened is there's a bow on six, but then you have fucking 150 hours of content after that that's like, okay, well, let me take this bow off and then open this up because we have more shit to tell. Yeah, they're they're like ju- just kidding. The victory celebration wasn't true victory after all. Um, I mean, I did. My mom grabbed me the Star Wars timelines coffee table book for Christmas. Actually, kind of cool. Yeah, you know, it, it's not like a straight read. It's not just words and shit. It, you know, there's like little little timelines you can follow. Charlie kind of likes me to read it to her every once in a while when mom's not reading Harry Potter. But uh, according to that book, five ABY which I don't even think they use anymore, right? They don't, they don't call, they don't use the ABY or the, the BBY or before the battle of yeah, Yavin. They, they, we, we don't use those. I, don't, I mean, but it, I don't know what they use in the timeline anymore. Either way, and this was kind of news to me, but Kylo was essentially born 5 ABY. So right when Battle of Jakku took place and the, and the New Republic actually achieved true victory, which was about a year or so after Battle of, of Endor or whatnot. So... Um, I, I guess I, for some reason I didn't put young Ben being born that close to the, the you know, the end of Jedi for us yeah. uh, or the, you know, the, the five ABY for them. So anyways, I, listen, we're, we're not here to like sit here and, and blow smoke about the prequels. I just wanted to highlight the conversation we had over there. It was a good time. Uh, make sure to check it out. You know, I know more people watch their stuff than ours, which I get. I, I'm, I'm figuring it out. It's not so much what we're putting out it's just who we're putting it out to and as i explained to young nick we've attracted an older star wars audience that probably isn't too keen on uh social media verticals and two and a half hour live streams on youtube so i i I get it um but it was nice to be over there and have a very active fan base and supportive fan base and we do too. Like, like we've got our our core. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they're in here right now. Bat Tones, Bango League, J O D, Mando Pirate, Be Mad when he shows up. You know. Um, but it was nice. It was nice over there. So check them out. Check out my hot takes. It's out there now. I uh, got about three three seventy seven views on it. Uh, people teeing off on me in the comments as expected because. You know, the prequel generation, as much as they sit there and feel like, oh, you know, everyone makes fun of us, they're actually probably the most toxic of fan bases. And their leader, I'm not saying Beyond the Dune Sea, but a lot of prequel bros gravitate towards Star Wars theory, who at this point is pretty much nothing but a clickbait dump at this point in time. Like to the point, Nick, where he's he's having like women psychologists come on and explain why women don't really like Star Wars. So that that's the type of shit he has um, mixed himself up with. So yeah. have fun with that. Just remember us guys, you know, us old people, 
we got two trilogies we didn't necessarily agree with. You motherfuckers, you're upset about the sequel trilogy. We've had to deal with the trauma of two trilogies now that didn't quite click with what our Star Wars fan brains were expecting. So just just think about that sometimes when you want to kick the old man screaming at clouds. All right? Just think about that. Okay. All right, Nick, uh, before we get into Star Wars stuff, one quick thing here. You know me, I love going to movies, like uh, letting people know if they should be wasting their time or not on a flick. We got a sci-fi movie that opened last week called ISS, International Space Station. The war on Earth will be decided in space. Uh, Honestly, dude, I, I didn't even know it was coming out. I tend to look at AMC on Thursdays to see, okay, any anything new coming out tomorrow. If it looks interesting, I'll go check it out. I've hit or missed on that sometimes. My last hit was that, uh, what is it, Godzilla minus one or whatever. That is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard amazing. Things. Oh my goodness, dude. It's the best Godzilla I've ever seen. The whole thing's in fucking Japanese. Like, it's it's just fantastic. Um, so anyways, last week I'm going through, it was like, ah, the beekeeper that's been out a while, whatever. I'll, I'll check them out. So I, you know, I like Statham. I like beat them up movies, but you know, me, star Wars nut, obviously always going to draw towards sci-fi or fantasy. So I see ISS, check it out. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I could get behind this. I mean, the premise is essentially just as two Americans arrive on the ISS to join one other American and three Russians, World War Three essentially kicks off on the surface between America and Russia mm. and um, their respective governments call up and kind of lay down a charge to their astronauts and the tension ensues. So uh, it, it's I, I really enjoyed it. For some reason, it's not reviewing so well. If you if you all buy into that type of stuff, like if you're someone that just looks at aggregators, you're like, yeah, fuck it. It's a, it's at a 63. It's not worth my time. Uh, but I can tell you it's, it's, it's tight, like an hour 30 tops. So I loved it right there. Right, Nick, you know, we've been bitching about movies now, especially ones we like are usually going to be two hours plus. So anytime I can get a 140, 130, it's, it's like, woo, yeah. And, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I was kind of tense the entire time. So I feel like it kind of did it, it, it did its thing for me. Um, I would have liked the the ending to be a little more concise and clear, but I, I kind of also appreciate the the open choice they, they went with. Um, I'm not saying there's going to be a sequel or anything, although I think it'd be very interesting to to kind of pick up with this if Russia and America decide to start hitting the buttons. Uh, but it, it was a good film, good, good little science fiction film. Uh, it, it's not all, you know, CG and crazy superhero stuff. It's, it's very rooted in space, space station science, if that's a thing. So, uh, I was a fan. I, I would recommend checking it out in theaters if it, if it manages to stay in theaters for more than a few weeks, which it probably won't. Cause yeah. you know, as we know now, I think Aquaman has just hit home release after less than oh, wait. Uh, a month and a half. That came yeah. out. <laughs> Yeah, ah. dude, Aquaman 2 came out in December. I took the kid. She enjoyed it. I was like, eesh. Uh, but it, it's already out on, on home view. Nick, Wonka is out on home view, but I still think you should go see that at theaters if you can. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think Beekeeper just hit home release this week as well. So, 
lots of fun stuff to check out there if you're into the not real life type of things like myself. I guess I have one uh, update. It's not really a uh, it's not really a pop culture update, but it is uh, something to talk about for a hot second here. Uh, I'm getting a new uh, Star Wars tattoo on Sunday. And oh, look at this. Where, is this something you've been planning or is this just like, fuck it, I'm doing? Uh, I mean, there's so there's this place in Austin that does stick and poke tattoos where it's like old style tattoos oh, where boy. it's like they they have like a stick with the sharpened edges and they hit it and they S- make. The so t- are you going for a Star Wars tattoo in that in that style then like fairly it's, simple, it, but, yeah. but it's going to look ancient almost. I don't know if it'll look ancient. It'll it'll be a tattoo that's primarily line work. And right. what I chose was actually very good for line work. It's the Death Star with a Star Destroyer like next to it. So they're both geometric shapes, which are much easier for. Um, you know, tattoos in that style to be done. It's only going to be line work. It's not going to be shaded and it's going to be like right on my left forearm. Um, so that'll, that'll be a fun experience. I think that, uh, I had to book like a three hour session and the tattoo. What style of tattoo is it then? Is like, is it, do they call it old school, new school? I mean, I mean, this is like, you would kind of have to look at stick, like look up stick and poke tattoos But it's like stick and poke tattoos are very minimalist. They're typically like only line work. So like think of like, you know, like line work details that you can get in without having to like fill in color or anything like that. So to me, it sounds like old school, but you don't color it because old school is all about your line work. Like you got to have the bet, you know, the, the, the most clear lines, straight lines, thick lines, beautiful lines. Yeah, but I they'll, mean, they'll usually add a little shading to it. Yeah, I mean, like typically, you you, you probably won't even see, um, like I'll, I'll I'll let me let me I'll shoot this over to you, and this this will give you an idea. It is like what what you could consider like American traditional, I guess, would be like a, a way to put it. Oh, I'm sorry, that's what I was talking yeah. about. So like, yeah, I'm I'm an idiot. I just okay. sent you a link, Matt. This is the girl that's gonna do it. And if you look at the if you look at the work that she's done with just stick and poke tattoos, it's pretty crazy. Like, all right, hold on. Let me let me. I'm gonna pull this up on the stream here because I was just looking at like a stick and poke guide. Yeah. All right, here we go. There she is. Nick's gonna get the Texas toad next. <laughs> But yeah, I mean like Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it like it would be considered like an American traditional style of tattoo art that just doesn't have any color added into it and there and there'll be no fill. It'll almost just be like the, you know, like the geometric shapes obviously right. with enough detail within the design to like make it so super we- clear like this is a Death Star, this is a this is a Star Destroyer. Um and it was like by commission only, so I had to like pitch my idea to her and um, like she responded, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally into it. Book a time. Did you get nervous? Like that, that would get oh. me all nervous. Like what, what's going to happen if this lady literally turns down my business? How, what does oh. that say about me? <laughs> what that you, what that probably says is this lady doesn't want to do a star Wars tattoo, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I mean like it was, yeah, no, it's really cool. Taylor's gotten a stick and poke tattoo done before and it was a, a cool experience at the same place. So yeah, I mean, my last tattoo was actually another Star Wars. It was actually my uh, my my Mandalorian, my Mythosaur tattoo that I got at the Star Wars celebration. 
uh, in Chicago when we went. Um, so yeah, now my next one will be a, a stick and poke style. Yeah, I'm jealous, man. I'm uh, jealous of all you, you mothers out there that are able to pull the trigger and actually be happy with art and all that stuff. I just, I always have wanted them. I'd love to have a full, like almost Yakuza tit arm sleeve. I, I just, anytime you're like, Oh yeah, what would you like? Eh. <laughs> Star Wars, like it's Star Wars that other people already have, but I don't want what our, our other people already have. I mean, you, you know the exact tattoo I would get today. It's the fucking interns Vader yeah, he got, you got at that's at, <laughs> at celebration. Yeah, it, it, it's the coolest Vader I've ever seen, and and you should see his arm now. I mean, he got a nice lay on there. I mean, it's fully he's fully sleeved now. Yeah. Like he he's he's full on hillbilly. But like I said good. before, man, you got to get one of these guys in the community, like you know somebody who's like. Devin, uh, we, or I had like Cody, that. I had Cody Tweedy. I don't think they listen anymore because you know that's that's just par for the Star Wars time show. People love us, and then after a while, they're just like, "Fuck, why am I wasting <laughs> my time on this shit?" <laughs> but yeah, like one of those, like not even a tattoo artist. Like if you could get like, like if you could give an idea to Super Scoundrel to Devin, and then he makes it in in you know Illustrator or whatever vector tool that he he would use for it. And then you bring that to a tattoo artist and be like, I want this. Yeah, no. Remember, he told us he doesn't draw. He just traces. No, yeah, I know. Because we, 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 we're like, hey, Devin, help us out for uh, scoundrels. Yeah. He's like, no. But if you I, told I, him, I like, trace, I want idiots. Darth Vader's head and I want fucking blood running down his face and all that, he could do that I know, for sure. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, I obviously would want a Vader. I mean, that that's a that's a must. At these this point in time, probably battle damage Vader. I mean, I love that look with the... You know, the, 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 the Anakin eye popping out and the see, scars. Dude, that's something right there. You got, you, that's like a good start. I'll just, I, I'll just get one so I don't have to think about it. It'll just be huge. Yeah. It'll almost look like the Superman symbol on my chest. That's right. I'll just, I'll just walk around with a big Darth Vader face right in the middle of my stomach. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, dude. Can't wait to see. So you're going to, it'll all be done after this weekend, right? You yeah. don't have to go back or. Right. Should, yeah, it should be done. Like okay, on the well, same day. We have a show and tell segment planned for next week. <laughs> Just make sure it's somewhere we can see. We, we know you. you. You like to put them in those saucy locations. Uh, yeah. It's not going to be on my butt cheek, my other it, butt it's, cheek. It's not for Taylor only, <laughs> right? No, no. I think it's, it's more than likely going to be on my left forearm, somewhere between where my watch, like my wrist, uh, like my watch cuts off and then down up to where my elbow is. It won't be that full size, but somewhere along. So are you going to work on a sleeve then at this point? Might as well, right? I don't know. It's always no. kind of been like, you know, I have pieces of a sleeve already and it's like, do right. I just fill in the rest of it at some point? But I haven't like fully decided on that yet. So I've just been doing like the, the piece by piece. And then if a sleeve forms out of that, then it does. So be it. Yeah. I know you should do be like these crazy crackheads that sign up for Ink Master and they get oh. no choice and they could end up like, oh, today's tattoo your face day. And Dude. Like, okay, I guess I'm getting a free tattoo on my face. I remember I used to watch that a lot, especially like the first like five or six it's seasons. Awesome. And then like I saw one of them and it was a Star Wars tattoo competition. And this girl, Sarah Miller, did a fucking killer Yoda. She's awesome. But, I know exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, I would I would love to get tattooed by her because her work is amazing. There was somebody on that episode who got potentially the worst Star Wars oh, tattoo yeah. I've ever there seen in my life. And I was like, I just can't do it. I just like, there's no way I could sign up for this. 
Dude, it, it's gotten ever since that show's moved to Paramount Plus, the the human canvases have gotten even sketchier. <laughs> it, it, I do wonder if the producers just go down to, you know, like the, the homeless shelter or the crack house. Yeah, just be like, look, free tattoo. <laughs> Follow yeah, me. I mean, they come in and they look like they're, you know, hitting, hitting some meth, might be missing some teeth, not just because they don't brush them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, and they're like, I want to, I want a devil fucking a goat on my ribs in a uh, new school. Oh, and they're like, man. what? <laughs> Dude. Oh, that's right. Hey, look at it. We got Sir Dork popping in here. SWT for life. That's right. And then Bango corrects him right away with SWDS for life. Star Wars time. Dacho. That's right. You got to highlight Dork and Bango are just going back and forth with their Star Wars time show is the best show ever for life. I love it. See? See how much fun you can have on the Star Wars time show live stream? Don't forget 5P Eastern time. That's New York time for everyone else. On YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, at least for the next few weeks, we'll still be on Tuesdays. Um, but in, in the back of my head, I think we are going to make the full shift to Wednesdays, starting with Bad Batch and then probably keep it there. Uh, it's going to suck for me this semester because my, my work schedule is not built that way. But hell, I only got 14 more weeks. I can get through it and then we're just going to stick with it. Uh, we, we tend to draw a bit more on Wednesday because I know there's a lot of toy photography shows on Tuesday. Um, so that may help us out, but it, you know, it's just going to stop us from having the shift the schedule every time Star Wars shows come out. Mm-hmm. Tones, it's good to see you, buddy. I know you got to take care of some stuff. We, uh, you know, we, we spoke your name last week. Glad to see you again. Uh, we love you. Hope, hopefully everything's good to go. That's right, Sir Dork. I was wondering if you would have saw that. That You know, Matt, I'm getting out there. I'm trying, Nick. It's not easy for me to get out there and to tune other people's content because I think everyone should be looking at our content. Uh, but knowing Jared and his his level of support over the years, I, I try to click on the um, his stuff every once in a while and, and see what's going on. So he was interviewing a, a toy photographer over there. And I'm sure I was leaving comments that were all just like, oh, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, because I'm that type of person. <laughs> like, I really am kind of a piece of shit. On, on social media with all this stuff. I'm always like, oh, hey, but don't forget about Matt, right? Don't don't forget about me. I mean, wh- what do you people think happened in my childhood that I ended up like this? I mean, is it the fact that I haven't talked to my dad very often in my adult life? I mean, it, it, we're going on like two and a half years now of not talking or seeing each other. Uh, clearly, that's, that's from other trauma early in my life. I just, I don't know what it is, Nick, but I, I crave attention i just want people to say they like me and i'm doing a good job if, it, if very... i didn't know how amazing your mom was i would make a joke it'd be like yeah it was because you were locked in a closet your whole childhood exactly yeah, right. <laughs> and nobody yeah, that, that's the other thing you. but you're you're I, you have an incredible mother <laughs> that's right I, that's right i mean she, she she got me this far i, I just i don't know it, you know maybe we got to blame her too because <laughs> you know maybe 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 she didn't love me enough or at least the way i felt like i need to be you know congratulated and and like oh my goodness matt you are the second coming of jesus and all that type of stuff <laughs> like that, that's how i feel sometimes i have told people if you look it up matthew is essentially the equivalent of god that's that's kind of what it go. means he it's wrote one of the bible of books his name's there in the you Bible go. Thank a you. lot. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. This isn't about you, Matt. Suck it up. That's right, Bango. That's how I am, man. I got to make everything about me because I am a narcissistic scumbag. I'm even over there fighting with Beyond the Dune Sea commenters because they're making fun of me. I just, I can't let it go. All right. Good, good times in pop culture talk. ISS. Nick is going old school. Let us know if it hurts more than the actual oh, yeah. 
tool. We will have that um, discussion for sure. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's going to hurt a lot more, but <laughs> we'll, well, I guess we'll see. Okay, so before we get into this week's special topic of our top sequel trilogy moments, we got a little quote from Daisy. I want to run by Nick, see what he's thinking about it. I always like to kind of pick his brain on on some of the, the buzzy Star Wars news coming out there. I'm trying to avoid the like, oh, this is shoot now, that shoot now, this coming out. It, like that stuff's just gotten so nonsensical. Who cares? All right. They're, go to Bespin Bulletin for that type of content. Right. That, that's they, they excel at that. They write about that shit all the time. We're trying to give it up. I wish I could give up my 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 poopy mouth over here because I made it two and a half hours over there, Nick. And the worst thing I said, and even then, Seth was like, oh, well, I think they'd let that on TV. I did say asshole. <laughs> I did, but that was it. I, I think I might have said damn in hell. There was no shits, no fucks, no cocks, nice. no tits, cunts, none of that stuff. You know, I, I was almost going into the George Carlin bit right there. If anyone has never heard the George Carlin seven, was it seven dirty words bit? Look it That's up right classic. now. Listen to it. Then you'll understand why he was a God comedian. Okay. So Daisy, there she is looking lovely. We all love Miss Ridley, or at least you should. She's a beautiful person and female. And she is our Ray Skywalker. <laughs> But anyways, Nick, she's out there promoting a, a new flick, which I, I think I kind of want to check out. Something I think about dying, or sometimes I think about dying, which, you know, it's it's kind of me. And that, that's pretty much every day I wake up, I'm like, hey, what would it be like if I was dead? So um, she's promoting this. And of course, when anyone that has ever worked on Star Wars is out promoting any project that isn't Star Wars, they're going to get asked about Star Wars. So it's coming from Variety. They kind of ask her, um, you know, obviously about the film, but then we get into, hey, you're reprising your role as Rey in a new Star Wars movie directed by Charmaine Obaid Chinoy, you know, the lady that lit a bunch of incels on fire a few weeks ago when she said, you know, I, I guess I get it. I brought this up with Connor and his take surprised me a bit. You know, I, I know he's a man of God, so I just figured he's a little softer on this stuff. But no, he's like, hey, listen, what she said was... Kind of jacked up when you consider that Deborah Cho has been a woman directing in Star Wars and Bryce Dallas Howard. I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I, I guess I took it as like this lady's actually doing a, a, a movie and not a TV show. And that, that is a first. But who cares? I, I don't understand why people get worked up when, when women say stuff that they're confident. We've talked about before. It's not worth getting into. And the I world's going to end in about another year anyway. So who like gives a shit? Technically, what they're asking... Daisy here is like the first female filmmaker impacting the series. And like, yes, Deborah and Bryce have directed TV series, but like this is the first time that a, a, a woman will be behind the camera on a full length feature film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so and I, I, I think know, that those are very, two very different things considering that, um, you know, one of them is for a completely different you know, like style of, of, you know, creating than the other one is. Right. And, so just different. Yeah. Hey, like I said, whatever. Some people were just, you, you can guess who, you know, the, 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 the Fox news is the star Wars theories of the world that this like, Hey, fuck you woman. You can't say this shit. You're an idiot. Woke, 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 woke. Who cares? Like if that, like I said, if that's the type of stuff you want to consume your life with. Have fun. I mean, honestly, you, you've got nothing to live for. If that is, 
what consumes your mind, what other people are doing or saying. I, I'll never get it. I'm not even, you know, I guess I'm a confirmed Catholic Christian. I don't buy into that shit anymore. And, and, I, I don't, and it's mostly coming from these type of people. What the fuck? All right. Anyway, so here's what Daisy has to say when asked about this. Hey, you're, you're being ro- Ray again, and you're going to be in there with Charmaine. And she pretty much says, the short answer is, I don't know. That's essentially like, I don't, hey, I don't know what's going to be like working on a, with a female on Star Wars. How, how would I? Who gives a shit? She, she's a human, right? So she then goes into, I'm excited to do the job, but not because Charmaine is a woman. Her, document, her documentaries are amazing. Her idea for the story is cool as shit. No spoilers, but she gave me a rundown in the entire story. If it weren't amazing, I would have been like, okay, call me in five years. But it's worthwhile. All right. She then goes into, they ask her like, hey, it's going to be weird. You're going to be making Star Wars without Boyega, Driver, and Isaac. And she goes, nah, it's not, not going to be weird because I don't know what is what or who is who in the new movie. So she's essentially saying, like, they could still be there. So much has happened for me since the Skywalker saga. I feel like a grown-up now. When I first started, I was, like, 20. I was the youngest on set. It took me the first two Star Wars films to feel worthy of being there. Now I'm in my 30s. The whole thing feels quite different. I've been able to work with other filmmakers, and hopefully I've got better as a performer. So first thing, Nick, what, what, what do you think she's saying up there? I mean, blowing smoke, the story's amazing. Otherwise, she would have walked. I mean, is that kind of what she's saying? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of how everything is going to be with Star Wars now. I think that before it was when you approached anybody for a Star Wars movie, they would be like, I'm going to do it because it's Star Wars. And now there's more discernment put into it. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that's how, that's how it should always be. Like, you should never... Like you should never sign on to something purely based off of the name factor. You should always base your decision off of the content of it. And do you believe in it? You know, like obviously there are actors who do jobs for paychecks and, you know, stuff like that. But I think that what Daisy is saying here should be the stock standard way that any actor who has the ability to make this decision, because not all of them do. Like there are actors out there who can't choose what they work in. They just have to take what's given to them. But Daisy's in a position to where she can make a decision based off of, you know, not the paycheck, but the content. And I think that the way that she handled this was really good. And, you know, her saying that it doesn't matter to her that Charmaine is a woman is also how things should be handled. Like you should you shouldn't make your decision on if somebody's a woman (laughs) or not. It should be based off of are they qualified to do this and have they proven to me that they can make something that's truly special and worth my time. So I don't like I think that what she said here is is just kind of like a stock standard way that any actor in her position should approach a project. So, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, thanks, Travis. We got your comment up there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read it. I, I kind of dig it. And, 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 and hopefully it makes sense to people, because I, I do think there's a large part of the fandom now that they've just decided anything Disney touches sucks. They're never going to give it the time of day. Even if they do watch it, they're going in with a lens of hate. So they're never really going to appreciate it. So with Travis Mitchell saying on here in the stream, one of the most educated conversations I've had about the sequels was with my friend's little brother who has no idea who Kathleen Kennedy is or how there wasn't a plan. He just loves the movies. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us as fans, especially people like myself, you know, the, the true fanboys and girls out there, 
we get so wrapped up in everything. We follow every news bit. We follow every sound bite. We pay attention to the clickbaiters, even though Nick thinks we shouldn't. And he's right. I can't help myself. That That's really what the Star Wars fandom is these days. It's who's putting out toxic shit. That's about it. That's what, that's what gets all the looks. So we try to highlight the toxicity and not try to be toxic ourselves. I actually, I, I do eventually want to get down to a recurring segment called Bad Star Wars Takes, mm-hmm. where we highlight content from other, just fans, comments, other channels. We'll probably, you know, have to cover up names and shit and just, just be kind of like bad tweets on yeah. Kimmel. Just, just, just read this stuff and be like, this is what we're dealing with yeah. on, a, on a daily basis. I, I mean, think it'd be fun. It, it's gotten to a point for me to, and like, this is just how I view myself. Like I, I, I don't view myself as a part of the star Wars fandom. Yeah. It, like I'm, I was going to say it's, it's killed it for you. And it, yeah. it's been hard for me to watch over the years. Cause I'm telling every one of you motherfuckers, Nick was just as emphatic and passionate as I am right now until I think it was around the last Jedi is kind of where it started to do it, it for you. And right? it was just like when the discourse online changed from, Hey, we're, we're all fans and we're excited about the same thing. And we're, we're, we're talking about how, you know, much we enjoy this property to, well, now it's, now we're not talking about star Wars. We're talking about the people who make it and why they suck. And this person right. should be, you know, killed or jailed or something. It's like when, when, when the discourse changes from like, we're a community talking about the things that we like to, you know, who we, we hate. Yeah. And should like die. We, we've changed now to where like everything has to be incendiary and the most popular creators in a space are those who are poisoning it. It just becomes mm-hmm. something that's not worth my time. And, and honestly, the Star Wars fandom hasn't been worth my time for quite a while because most of it is purely based around nonsense and garbage and, 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 and like what would be considered like, you know, hot take territory, but aren't really hot takes. They're just people being mean to other people. Right. And, yeah. It's usually just being racist in some form or yeah. fashion. And it's like, I'm just not interested <laughs> in that. Like, you know, I, I follow the legitimate news stories. So like when something happens... I follow that and I read it for the information. But as for like me going out into community spaces or reading the reddits or watching YouTube videos, I just have no interest because there's no like the, the what's out there, you know, is just not interesting to me. And, and I'm also not a person that like, I'm not an opinion based, like, intaker of content like I and it's not just for Star Wars it's for anything like I I I truly just don't like enjoy um like content that's based around what other people's opinions on something are like like, amen and like that's what we do like that's what we do and I'm glad that people that that watch our show enjoy it but like that's just not the type of content that I intake myself we're we're not we're not idiots though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we look like idiots and sometimes we sound like idiots, but we don't put out vomit just, just. To yeah. Get I clicks. mean, like we, we, we like typically put thought behind what we're saying and like, we don't just say stuff to get people to like gasp or to, to right. like elicit a reaction, which is what, you know, I mean, if I did that, every like. episode would be titled SWTS Kathleen Kennedy fucks us again. Yeah. Part 50. I, I, in immediately our audience would quadruple in size. So it'd go from like 10 
to 40 yeah in, in a second and it's but yeah, you know we ain't doing it and like that's just not the type of discourse that i want to perpetuate you know because that ultimately that type of discourse is ultimately like what is ruining the fandom for a lot of people you yeah. know and it's, it's yeah i got you man i mean it's like i said i got i've tried to tell people like go back and listen back in the day like where where nick truly died with with even star wars time because even in 18 we're like yeah let's start a site let's do it it was like a a, a concaphony of shit in his life <laughs> it went like he was trying to get a house lost his job covid lockdown had to pay for the house, had to find the job, how to start a business. And, you know, those COVID years and the fan himself, he's just like, at this point, he's like, hey, dude, I'll show up on Tuesdays. I'm good. It's like, all right, that's fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of hold the SWTS mantle for us. But it, I mean, it, it's been rough watching what, what some of the, the fans have done to young Nick. Anyways, let's get into it. It's, mm. it's time to break down the top moments from the sequels yes more than just the credits rolling although i think i I probably should have thrown that in there for the rise of skywalker Uh, we actually just put out a video Uh, i've been screwing around with cap cut getting some tutelage from connor over at press pause trying to spice up our clips a little bit not not so much because i think it's actually going to equal more views because i know it's not it's me i i like things to look a certain way and when our feed is nothing but black bars and white text, it, it, it bothers me. So it, it's an OCD problem. And as I told Nick, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm trying to do this. By no means would I ever expect you to do it because it is a complete waste of time. It adds about 10 to 15 minutes to creating the easy clips that we're paying an AI to do. But it makes me feel good about myself. You know what I mean? It make, I actually I actually am like, hey, look, it, 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 there's there's clips from star Wars now, but the ones we're talking about it, it. And, and I am taking, I am motivated and I am inspired by Connor's work out there on, on beyond the dune sea. And, and by no means I'm not delusional. I, I know it's not going to get us any more views or followers. We, the algorithm has decided who we are and what we will be. And I'm slowly getting there. Um, but I, it, it would be more fun to make this stuff and, and with a little more reaction from the machines and humans out yeah, there. I think that now I've just started like, like over the past couple of days, I'll just like throw up a meme. I'll throw up a Star Wars meme. Uh, yeah, I saw. I'm like, what the hell? Nick must be drinking this weekend. He, <laughs> you posted like three times over the weekend. And, and I'm going, well, yeah, well, shit, he may get us kicked off again. He's putting <laughs> up fucking content from other sides. But hey, I'm mixing in Star Wars footage like 5,000 other creators do. And I'm sure I'll get banned for that because in the end... I am a black cloud. And it was proven last Friday when I joined Beyond the Dune Sea for like their second live. Guess what? Technical difficulties <laughs> ensued. I mean, it, it took probably 15 minutes for their show to start. Poor Connor was like me in the day, Nick. He's like, oh shit, it's not working. Blah, blah, blah. Click, click, do, boo, boo. What can we do? And luckily, I'm an IT guy. I know how to troubleshoot. So we had some quasi, like, triple double mirroring of his screen and skype just so i could hear seth the whole time i heard connor in in like a stereo like hello 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 <laughs> hey matt 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 what do you 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 think 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 about 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 this this take 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 but we got there so like i said i show up their entire tech setup just fucking explodes melts. <laughs> yay matt whoa look at those sweaty pits today check that out i'm a healthy fool do your pits sweat a lot Still, you figured me, that out. Like, I'm not as sweaty, but I will say that it's 
it's hotter over here than usual, uh, especially in the <laughs> the end of January. And I am getting a little hot now. Gotta, we have to. We haven't had to turn the air condition on in Austin. Oh, you, fucking you, you fucking dickhead, the air conditioning. I'm sitting here trying to keep my house <laughs> at 65 degrees by not turning on the heat so I don't have $400 electric bills throughout the winter. And it's like, yeah, hey, man, you know, had the windows open today. Today we Might did. I had to turn on the air. Today we did. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like I'm not, I'm not even obese anymore. I just leak. I think one thing is I stopped using aluminum-based deodorant for some reason. I did I, too, yeah. I sometimes listen to Howard and like some of his neuroses rub off on me. He's like, oh, I'll give you cancer. I'm like, all right. And it does. Like, I, I do remember when I use that shit, especially on white shirts, I'd be the guy that have like those yellow, crusty stains. But ever since I got COVID, it's almost two years ago now, my armpits constantly leak and smell like onions. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm just, I'm just kicking off some killer BO anymore. Um, but it, it's slightly embarrassing. I, I, back in the day, before I became a little bit more extroverted, I would have been extremely embarrassed right now to have these pit stains. And now I'm just gladly airing them out for all 10 people to see. You guys <laughs> like that? Smell-o-vision, scratch your screens. All right, man, let's get into it here. Um, you know, as I was kind of putting the screens together, there was a few few scenes I feel like I, I should have included uh, maybe they'll, maybe they'll come back up or maybe I'll remember it. There's one, someone put, maybe it's in the comments. So we'll, we'll reflect on it then. Uh, but we did, I, I, there, there's 16 here to go through and, uh, you know, 17, including the screen here. And I think they're, they're, they're good ones for the sequel trilogy. I will, I will tease. There is going to be one in here that is kind of tongue in cheek, but it is a memorable moment for it being kind of tongue in cheek. But for the most part, I think these are pretty pointed on point and uh, do make sense if you're a Star Wars fan that can allow you to kind of appreciate Star Wars content, even though the Internet tells you you should not because Disney made it or, you know, there's there's a female lead or there's a black stormtrooper. All right. So here we go. Top sequel trilogy moments. Not really in any sort of order. You know, Nick and I will do our top five at the end, but we are going to go chronological through the film. So we're obviously starting with. TFA, Nick, and the first moment from TFA. It's a fun one. And, and, you know, when I was putting these slides together today, especially from the TFA section, it just kept reminding me, like, damn, that was a damn good Star Wars movie. Yeah. Damn good. Like, it had everything you want in a Star Wars movie. It had the, the fantasy stuff with the wizards and the Skywalker clan. It, it had the buddy stuff with Finn and Poe. And, and then Ray, obviously. The new droids. You, you're getting some lore from Han. You get to see old Luke, old Leia. It was fucking great. But the first, the first moment I'm going with, Nick, is the Finn and Poe breakout from the First Order cruiser. Yeah. Um, I just listen like it, it visually it's a great moment you know the the, the moment they're breaking out and the, the ties on its little gas hose yep. and they have to get that there you got the first order troopers coming out with their gatling gun uh, Finn and Poe had just met they, they barely know each other but you can already see they're starting to form a dynamic Finn gets his name in this scene. Uh, we really do get to kind of see and appreciate Poe's piling skills. You put him behind the yoke of any ship and he's going to tear it up. Uh, it was just fun. Like, it was just a fun Star Wars scene to me. It, it kind of, I don't want to go here because I think that another moment is more like this, but, it, you know, it, it felt like Luke and Han together, shooting down some motherfuckers, having a good time. Yeah. It almost, like, it, it reminds me 
of ESB and the moment where they're like, they're going through the asteroid field. They're getting hit. Chewie's yeah. trying to fix stuff. Han's yelling like, oh, what is, where's this? Where's this? What's this? Yeah, just, Everybody's just, just chaos. It's just chaos. And they're like, it reminded me of that, of like this frantic feeling of like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here fast. And if we don't get out of here, we're probably going to die. So it's just, and it like, it, it established that relationship between Finn and Poe really well. And then we were like, okay, this, this is our, like, we're, we're building the crew. Kind of like you said, like it's, it, we're starting to get these like relationship ties between these characters and they're doing it in a way that's familiar, but is also unique to the situation that they're in. So yeah, I, I do think that this was a super fun. Yeah. Just, like you said, it, it establishes kind of who the characters are, how they get together. We had the passing of the jacket, the Finn, which kind of stays with him all the way, uh, you know, through TLJ. It's just, it's a great way to kind of start their, their relationship. How, I mean, some people wanted to ship these two together after scenes like this, you know what I mean? I mean, we, there was a contingent of fans that wanted a, a Poe and Finn romance, not just a bromance, like full on, you know, hey, let's play tummy sticks type of stuff. All right. Next top moment from sequel trilogy coming from TFA, the best film of the sequels, not even close, is another chase. It's the Ray and Finn running through Jakku and jacking the hunk of junk, also known as the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So much like the opening scene, Nick, there are our first top moment. The visuals were great. Like that chase, they're, you know, running through the town, running through Ankar Plot's shipyard. Ray's got that great line the first time you hear it. Like, nah, we're not, we're not going to get in that piece of crap. We're yeah. going to go for this quadrump or it gets blown up. And then they have to settle on the Falcon. Obviously, you get a ton of nostalgia from that. But then the actual chase through Jakku, uh, very unique, right? We, we, we don't get many ground level battles in Star Wars or, or dogfights. Uh, they're going through old wreckage of, uh, you know, Imperial Star Destroyers from Operation Cinder and the Battle of Jakku. We kind of get to see the Finn and Rey dynamics start to grow and get stronger. We instantly realize, like, okay, this this Rey is she she's special. She's kind of like Luke, you know. They they just throw her behind something. She's going to figure it out. She's crafty. Yeah. And it, it, it just the, the, the chase itself was awesome. The maneuver they pull, the kind of that zero G flip, shoot them down action. Just again, felt very, very Star Wars correct. Yeah. I mean, I think it was all highlighted too by um, the decision to keep most of, if not all of that set practical, especially when they were out in the desert there. I mean, it feels real. It feels lived in and it feels like it feels like an authentic chase scene, you know, almost like, like we really hadn't had anything like that before. Like you said, like we've never had like no. a dog fight scene through like a outside desert outside the new hope is, is it really? And, yeah. and, um, the, the one, the quick opening, I guess of, uh, rots. Yeah. I mean, but like having it in atmosphere, like the closest, you know, I, I mean, I can't even really list something that's that's really close to how this scene played out because it was so dynamic. It was a foot chase that turns into an, like an in-atmosphere dogfight. Um, it was so well executed. And you're right. Like it really gives you that like that feeling of Ray is somebody special, you know, right as this scene is going on. You know, like she's a take charge type of person. 
she can handle herself behind the sticks of, you know, an aircraft like the the Falcon. Um, it really does draw these uh, comparisons to, uh, obviously, to Luke Skywalker for her. And then, um, you know, having the, I mean, well, well, having Finn there and the relationship building that goes on between those two as well is just, it was fantastic. And it really does. Like this, like, you know, this movie set itself up so well and, and like followed through like to its own ending, you know, like to its own ending very well. And, you know, I really do think that like, you know, people out there are like, Oh, well, how do you get five scenes? The sequels? I mean, like you can get five scenes just from this movie. Like it's, it's a really well-made star Wars. Yeah. We're, we're just talking about top moments. I have a note for a rainy day to do top emotional scenes. Now that probably will be rough to rip from the sequels. I I can only think of maybe two or three tops. Like I got two probably. (laughs) But yeah, well, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll get there and you sequel haters will probably be happy when we get there. But I, I do think there's, there's at least four or five good moments in all three films. And that says a lot from someone like me. Cause I, I really do Nick at this point in time, the rise of Skywalker is the worst star Wars movie for me. It, It just, I, I can't I can't accept what it did to the sequel trilogy, what it did to Palpatine, Vader. So, you know, Return of the Jedi loosely. It's it just it's rough. But hey, we'll, we'll get there. I found some top moments. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, all right. So, yeah, good one there. Still, like, like I said, like I told you, when I did my rewatch and I got the TFA, it's it's a weird experience now watching this movie because you're watching. You're going, fuck, dude, it was so good. So many great little sticks were putting in that fire. Yeah. Yeah. And then, hey, and I, I, I'm not going to blame TLJ. I'm not. It was the middle movie. You, you had a whole movie to tie all this stuff together with a bow. And then JJ's like, you know what? I'm JJ. We're going to do what we wanted to. Screw you. We're going to just we'll do some narrative gymnastics here with somehow and Ray Palpatine, clone babies you know clone bastards it's just bleh. okay tfa still good right right still right good. all right next moment coming from tfa got to give the first order a little credit but when when hux kind of does his hitler speech come on i mean we we all at least can remember that probably from for verbatim at least the imagery and, and nick that's kind of the screens i pulled on that that's one of the reasons this scene stands out to me the imagery itself is just beautiful. Uh, I, I mean, seeing that he's got all the First Order le- battalions lined up, he's up there screaming, like I said, doing his zig hail. Uh, and then you get the firing of the laser, the entire planet goes red on surface. And then you get the space shots of seeing, like, literally the, the Imperial Remnant, the First Order, carved out a large section of a planet. And turned it into a super laser that it yeah. literally can shoot across the galaxy and take out an entire system of planets, not just a planet, an entire system. So for the visuals and in Hux's speech alone, I, I do count this as a top moment. Yeah, I think that this is probably, I mean, and fortunate to say this, but like this is Dom Hall Gleason's like best scene in this whole trilogy. It, it it puts him front and center. It really highlights his ability to like command, uh, like the screen. 
And like you said, what comes from it was, was pretty awesome to watch. I mean, like just in a visual perspective, like it was, it was really awesome to see like this huge monstrosity of a weapon that can, like you said, you know, the Death Star could fire a laser down, blow up a planet. This thing can shoot a laser across the galaxy and blow up multiple planets. Like it was, it was, I I guess they were in the same system because I didn't see it hit hyperspace or anything. But yeah, I mean, it, you can see it. It travels from Ilum across the sky, even, you know, over Takadana so Finn and everyone can see it. It's an amazing level of power that the First Order achieved. And yeah, hey, whatever. We're, we're rerunning tropes from A New Hope, but who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? It, yeah. I mean, the fact that it was Ilum should, should add a little bit of like, oh, wow, that's even more jacked up. You're, you're essentially taking the 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 home of kyber in the galaxy and and after you've already gutted it out now you turn it into a a weapon of death yeah it, yeah. it's i mean that, that's beautiful to me Very all right cool sticking with tfa we definitely had the most in tfa there's no doubt about it shouldn't surprise anybody here up next and this one i mean i don't want to tease when we do emotional but i think this one will get there we're talking about the bridge scene between father and son nick i'll tell you what the, the first time i saw this it, it was amazing it, it, hearing han for the first time just ben you know a father to his son just it's really the first time we heard someone reference kylo as ben yep it, it wasn't necessary you know it was, it, it was kind of clear early on when snoke's like hey you know you're this Han Solo guy and blah, blah, blah. You, you were kind of starting to connect the dots, but it wasn't until Han comes out and just, Ben! And he comes up to him. He's trying to reason with him. Kylo's kind of, you know, fucking around, almost making it seem like, okay, yeah, my dad's getting through, getting through, but because I'm such a weak man, I'm, I'm getting the message mixed, and, and, and instead of actually hearing him, I'm letting this voice in my head tell me no i to be strong in the dark side i need to kill this guy and he ultimately does it and thanks him thanks his dad for making it easy to kill him because he's a bitch and then i think the most touching part the the heavy hitter the gut punch is when han after being betrayed and stabbed through the heart still reaches up to caress his son's face yeah before he dies yeah i mean this was, you know, one of two moments in this film that like had an emotion. I had an emotional reaction to when I saw it in theaters and like multiple times because I saw it. I saw, I think I saw TFA five times in theaters. Um, I mean, it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, like we are now in a different, like we're in a different Star Wars universe now. Like we're in a different galaxy. Like you know, one of the the key components of the original trilogy is gone and it's not gone as a, you know, as a means of like, Oh, he died off screen or he had a, you know, had a heart attack and died because of old age or something like that. Like he was killed by his son who is now turned to the dark side. Like it it sets up such good narrative. Um, and it was so well executed from a visual standpoint and from an acting standpoint. I think that Adam and Harrison oh, were amazing. on fire on that scene. And don't, was, don't forget Eunice as Chewie, like yeah, Chewie's yeah. death scream at the end, just as emotional. Yeah. I mean, it was, 
it was one of those moments that I was like, when I was in the theater and I was watching this and I was like, we're, I was like, we're fucking back, baby. Like it is. Yeah. No. I, and that's kind of like Nick, when I was going through this, I was trying to put myself Matt 2015 in the theater. Yeah. For all these movies. Like it, it, it's very easy with hindsight to poke holes in these things and make fun of them. But if you, if you have the ability to take yourself back in time to when you were sitting there, I think you can be a little more honest with how you feel about a lot of these films. And, and, and we'll get into that with TLJ because I will never forget my TLJ first watch experience. I was in Vegas with the intern. We just watched the Penguins game. We roll to the, the last screening of TLJ, obviously, you know, on the meds, a little baked up, a little tooted up, feeling good. And the entire time I'm watching that movie, I'm, I'm having an experience. I mean, everything was hitting me. I was like, ooh, wow, ooh, ee. And I came out, I was like, damn, that was good. And then things started to, to percolate in, you know, stunt buddies. Like, hey, dude, TLJ, I don't know, kind of prequel. Nixon, like, hey, man, checked it out. I think I, I, think I like it. I think it's like an eight. And, and even then, I'm like, uh-oh, I'm, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to wonder if maybe I, you know, had too many rips from the vape pen. I don't know. Am I, am I losing my, do I, do I not know what I'm watching? But I really had a fantastic time watching TLJ for the first time. And obviously we're not there yet. We'll get there. But as I said, a lot of these moments when I was picking them, I was trying to like, how did they make Matt feel the first time? And Nick nailed it. When I saw this, this Han scene, like the moment he yelled Ben, and then we get the, we get the murder. It's like, whoa, okay. All right. All right. I I can kind of see where things are going, or at least we all thought. And I loved it. I mean, it was, it is beautiful. I mean, how, even when I was teeing up this scene, I, I kind of had to, kind of had to choke the emotions back a little bit. I had to, had to man it up, you know? Uh, it is, it is, it is a great one there. Yeah. Uh, I know some people, I think Tones like absolutely hates that they killed Han, but it's like, hey, dude, it was going to happen and, or Harrison wasn't coming back, period. So, yeah. This, like- this is, this was what clinched the deal, not the millions of dollars. It was, JJ, you're going to kill this motherfucker, right? All right, I'm back. Yeah, I, I think that like, it, and it was also like, it was so pivotal for the character development of Kylo, you know, like, it, like just to see that he would go to that length for a cause that he feels is just and like what he feels is the thing that he needs to do in his life to become, you know, this truly powerful force. Like you can't argue like, it. yeah, I mean, like, of course it sucks to see one of the OGs die and it does every time it happens. Um, but it's unquestionable that like that is a huge part of Kylo's character development and was fully necessary for him to develop into, you know, develop into what well, he is. Yeah. I, and that's why I like the direction Ryan took with it in, in TLJ. He essentially positioned it as Kylo was destroyed by doing that. Like it, it was, it did the opposite for him than what he thought. He he thought killing his dad, that'd be it. That's all he needed. He'd be Darth Vader. But it, it you know, Snoke says it. He's like, hey, pussy. Like it, ever since you, you killed your dad, you're, you're a mess. You got beat by a, a scavenger. You loser. Yeah. <sighs> Good stuff. All right. Continuing, continuing on top moments from the sequel trilogy. We're still in The Force Awakens. Just recapped Han's death, a fantastic and emotional moment from the film. Next one is probably my top 
scene from all the sequels. I, I mean, to this day, I love it. It's got every ingredient you could ask for as a lifelong Star Wars fan to make you feel. And it, it does it every time. It's not as strong as the initial watch. But every time I see Rey reach out for the Skywalker family blade in the woods, in the snow, I get a little misty. Yeah. Right? Get a little moist in the eyes. And, and Nick, like I said, it, it's a perfect combination. You, you just had all that happen. Han just died. You know, Kylo's out there going nuts, punching like, uh, 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 you know, where, where Chewie shot him. Finn gives him a go and gets his back sliced open. Ray gets knocked out. And just as you're, you're sitting there, you, you kind of get that shot of the saber, just like from Empire Strikes Back in the Wampa Cave. You see Kylo reach out and then you see it fly by and it goes by him. He's like, what the hell? And she grabs it. And right as she's grabbing it, what kicks in? The force theme. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you say. I don't care who you are. If, if you don't get moved by the force theme, you truly do not love Star Wars. It is not a part of your soul. That force theme to me is Pavlonian. I hear it and I instantly start to crumble. Yeah. It's, it's the most beautiful theme in Star Wars. It's the most motivational. It just it, it brings back a, a wave of emotion every time I hear it. And I just love the way J.J. used it. I love the way this scene is shot. Ray is almost surprised that she gets it, but as soon as she gets it, she's like, all right, let's go, motherfucker. You just killed my you you just killed Han and my dude. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, this was the moment that I like, you know, I was I upon like the first watch of TFA, like I was bought in pretty quickly because I really liked all of the elements that they were combining. Oh, hell yeah, and I dude. liked everything that they were leading to, but it was this moment that was like this like it's the clincher. Like this is unquestionably a top Star Wars film for me. And I think it, it was because I think JJ and, and I think it's Chris Terrio is his writing partner. Like they understood. Well, this one was actually, I think Michael Arndt. Yeah. He, he was, was the one original of the, writer. Yeah. So he, he still gets credit for a bulk of it. I don't know if he brought, if JJ brought Terrio in or not. I know he did on Tross, not sure on TFA. Yeah. So like, I mean, whoever wrote this scene in particular had a true understanding of how to like, how to make Star Wars fans connect with characters. Like it was just such a well done scene and like understanding it's not even just the music of it. It's understanding the characters that are at play. You know, Kylo's whole thing is, that is my saber by birthright. Like this is my family history that is rightfully mine. And why is, why did it essentially choose you over me? And that's where his anger stems from for basically all of TLJ is like, yeah, this, that that blade is mine. Yeah. And like the fact that they, like the people who made this film knew what levers to pull and when to pull them and, and how to do it. Like it was just, they just nailed it. They just nailed it at every turn. And I think that like this scene in particular, not only that, it's just like the pull and then the fight that ensues from it because she gets pushed back. Like he, he like comes at her hard and, and essentially is like, if you don't turn here, I'm, yeah, like I'm going to kill you if you don't turn here. And she like escapes, like she gets away. She doesn't, you know, like, you know, 
like I wouldn't call that a win for either side, but it was such a cool sequence of events, you know, like coming out, he's hurt. He's hitting himself to like essentially love that, man. enhance ooh, the pain ooh, ooh. to like oh, yeah. to further dark side fuel, man. Yeah. Dark side fuel. And just everything that comes from it. The, you know, like you said, you know, the you know, slamming, you know, slamming her and knocking her out, cutting down Finn, the lightsaber pull all the way across, and then the fight that ensues from it. It was just like it was it was essentially five to eight minutes of unbroken, just like this is fucking awesome. Like the, the whole way through. Yeah, it was great. And, and the best part and the other reason why TFA is so great is because it employed the best formula for a star Wars movie. And that's where you have action on the ground, action in the air. Yeah. And the people with the, you know, light up swords fighting. It, it was just, I don't know. It's just, it's a great moment. I think the only person on this planet that hates it is Mark Hamill. And I say that as anyone ever heard, he, he, as he was doing the table read and he's like, oh shit, I'm, I'm not in this. <laughs> I'm not in this, but he, he, you know, once they got to this scene, they're like, Ooh, they're in the woods and blah, blah, blah. The young heroes, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, this, this is it. This is when Luke shows up, right? This is when Luke shows up and, and he keeps flipping the pages, flipping the pages, flipping the pages. And it's not until the last shot of the film that Luke shows up. And, it, and Mark has been out there talking about that that his disappointment that he did not, he was not the one to receive the hilt, but, but it was Ray. No, I think that like from his perspective, if like with hindsight, I look, if I'm Mark Hamill, I'm like, I got fucked out of the best movie in this whole trilogy. Like I got, I got, (laughs) you know, they, they they probably, they're like, Hey Mark, don't worry. You're, you, you got movie too. And eventually he's like, all right, all right, I can, I can deal. I'll take the middle movie. And then, and then then, then, you, then you have the, the the documentary out there that Connor and I brought up and it is kind of rough. I, I need to watch it again, but I remember it, it's rough on on Mark, but it, it's literally called like the director and the Jedi. And, yeah. and the crux of the documentary is uh, Ryan trying to deal with Mark's complete and utter disappointment in the portrayal of Luke Skywalker. I mean, <laughs> which like, is a justified feeling from him. But, uh, but like there's a couple of things here. JJ had said in interviews after TFA that like they wanted, they tried to bring Luke in earlier. Like they tried to bring him in, in multiple parts of this film. But, but it's the conundrum we keep bringing up in the Mando verse. Exactly. Like as soon as he comes in, it's the Luke show and it's hard to handle that in a film where, especially in a first film where you're trying to establish the new leads, like you're trying to establish these three characters and then also where the world sits and if you bring in Luke Skywalker, then everybody's like, oh, Luke Skywalker. Like, it's just you lose the ability to tell the other people's story because of his power on screen. Um, and, you know, it is unfortunate that he didn't come in this film and, you know, until the fucking very end. Um, but I think that without him, it it is the one film that highlights all three of the main characters so well. Like it, it highlights Finn and his struggle and what he's trying to achieve. It highlights what Poe's, you know, journey is going to look like from, from legs on the ground to leader. And then it highlights like who, who Ray could be and what her journey is going to be and, and what she may turn into in the future. And I, I do think that if I was Mark, I'd be like, fuck, man. Why couldn't I get in on this? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, a lot of his complaints made made sense. I mean, 
I don't hate TLJ. I do think Luke would have banished himself, as I've said a million times, and I can't believe I'm saying again, I don't think he would be a dickhead. That, that's the only thing I didn't agree with, with, with Ryan's thoughts there. I mean, everything else made sense. Being a jerk to all these people, especially chew-ass Baca, like, come on, man. Luke Skywalker's not a dick. If anything, yeah, I, I could see him giving up because that's what he knows. I mean, that, that's what it's his like, masters do. But being a jerk, that's not Luke Skywalker. His problem was always that he cared too much, not that he didn't care enough. And, like, it felt like... That is how he was portrayed in TLJ was that he just didn't care anymore. And that was never his situation. Like when we were going like in in ESB, when he's on Dagobah and he's training and he sees all of these, you know, premonitions in the force, like it wasn't that he didn't care. It was that he cared too much, so much so that he was like, fuck this training that I'm doing with the Grand Master of the Grand Republic Jedi Order, I got to go save my friends. It wasn't that, ah, they'll be fine. They don't need me. Fuck those people. Like, I got to get my Jedi on. Like, it was yeah. a fundamental misunderstanding of, of the character and where the character's, like, emotions lied. Um, yeah. So yeah. No, I, 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 I completely agree. Um, but I, I still contend TLJ is not a garbage film. Okay. Well, you might think we're done with TFA, but I actually, you know, we were just talking about the guy. And, and like I said earlier, you go back, you kind of put your little self in that seat back in 2015. How did these scenes first resonate with you? I'll tell you right now, Ray's Island journey, walking up those steps, seeing the master there gazing out over the cliffside, and then her very emotionally handing over the saber like, dude, I just went through some shit. To find you, to help save us, and, and deliver your saber back to you. I, I, I thought it was a great ending. I, I know Mark did not, but I, I love this moment. The whole march up the, up the cliff, seeing him turn around, presenting it. She, you can tell she's, she's, a, she's touched. She's feeling something. And then Mark turns around also kind of like, okay, all right, well, hey, you made it. I, I guess I got to deal with you. Now, unfortunately, we... We kind of pick up with some nonsense right after this in, in TLJ, but this moment here, the way it ends, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I totally agree. I think it like there was so much speculation that you know we had. I mean, fucking multiple shows just talking about like yeah, we, why, we had two years to to kick the tires on yeah, this. Like, like, hey, what happened right after? Yeah, like why was he? Did here? they start what training? And did remember we were like, oh, maybe the Knights of Ren find them, and that's why they have to leave and rejoin the resistance. We had so many great ideas. Ray is, you know, actually a, a secret spawn of of Han and Leia that they've kept hidden. Like, come on, we we had it, but you know, head cannon and shit. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that Head I, I really do think that from from start to end, TFA is in the top four or five of yeah, all Star it, Wars films. In I, my I was just going to say, like, no, no, me too. No, well, it's everyone's opinion then, because <laughs> if I agree with it, it's right. Yes. I was going to say it's top four or five, 100 percent. I just don't know if I'm going to put it in front of the Phantom Menace or not. Yeah, <laughs> for you, I can see that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know you. I know you had no problem. You're you're sliding it right in at four. I bet so. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. I All mean, right, friends. That was go, sorry, Nick. No, yeah. I mean, and and I think like you can go back to shows 
that we had right after this movie, I was like, this may be my favorite Star Wars movie yeah. for the time being. Yeah. Like straight up, number one, right after that film came out, it re-energized me. It put me, it gave me faith that the people who were, I mean, like again, like in hindsight, maybe not the best thing to think, but like it gave me faith that the people who are in charge of this now knew what they were doing and they really understood how to bring Star Wars back to the theater and in front of millions of people in a meaningful way. And it was really like you, I, I truly believe that they knocked it out the park, that it was a home yeah. run, that this is like a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes type of movie. And, you know, I still yeah, dude, think that I today. Felt the same way. I, I, cause you know, I talked about before, before I essentially imposed a self boycott on star Wars after revenge of the Sith. I was just done. Okay. So you prequel people before you start going crazy. Think about how you f- you feel about the sequels. Put your put if you can if you have the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes, which a lot of humans don't have these days. Try it. Okay, I was done with Star Wars. Highly disappointed. I was like, no, I'm not. I, I didn't watch the movies. Nothing. The only thing I started getting into was the Clone Wars three years later in 2008. I was like, all right, it's been been about three years. It's animation. I'll try it out, even though it's the prequels. I'll try it out. And lo and behold, I, I, I did enjoy that. But it was not until this film that I started watching the Star Wars movies again. And just like Nick said, when I watched it, it was a feeling. Because I, I went, you got to understand, we, us older OT fans, a little bit of PTSD from the prequels. A little bit. Clearly, I, I still suffer from a fair amount. So I was going in like Nick, like low expectations, low expectations. Like, hey, I, I just know what I went through in these past three movies. And even though I went to each one multiple times and I always had high hopes and I tried to stay positive, it, j- it j- didn't hit for me, didn't resonate. And then we get TFA and you're going in. You're like, OK, all right. The opening. OK. Oh, BB-8 and digging that. All right. Ray, like her music scavenging. She's got an ad at for her house. This is cool. And then obviously Kylo looks like a badass stopping lasers with the force. We never saw that before. And it was, it was, it, it was, it was kind of a hallelujah. It was like, thank you. Thank you, Disney. Thanks, George, for selling it. We're back, baby. I can't wait. And then Nick and I, let's start a podcast. We love Star Wars again. Blah, blah, blah. Star Wars, TFA. Ooh, TLJ's coming out. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And then uh, 2017 rolls around and literally the fandom is, has never been the same. Yeah. Ever. And from that day, young Nick has slowly, as he explained earlier, kind of just remove him, removing himself from the trenches. And I, I, I really can't blame him. All right. Well, we've been talking about it. It's time to get into the top moments of, from the sequel trilogy, this time coming from the TLJ. The Last Jedi. I don't care what anyone says. I think The Last Jedi has a fantastic opening. I, I, the, the entire sequence from Poe busting balls and making Hux look like a buffoon to his failed bombing run mission to uh, Rose Tico's sister Paige saving the day in that very tense moment on her goofy-looking bomber dropping the bombs on that dreadnought. I just, I, the first time I saw that, the entire time, dude, I was clutching my seat. Like, yeah, all right. I love this tension. This is fantastic. I love how it was shot, the music, the slow-mo. I still don't know how she caught the remote. It just the physics there don't work, but who cares? It's a movie and it's not real. 
Um, but I, I don't know. I just I really love this this opening. It, it kind of established, you know, Poe's arrogance, but also his skill and his ability to kind of get people to follow him. It set up the dynamic between him and the general. Uh, I don't know. I just I I loved it. I I, I love the tension it provided right from the start. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that that scene was it did such a good job of just keeping you on the edge of your seat for the entire time. Like it was, it was like action suspense that really kind of, you know, it harkens back to, you know, the, the death star attacks and stuff like that. It's like sitting on the edge, like it's a small, like, are they going to do it? Are they going to be able to, to take it out? And, you know, I think that it, it was definitely for me, it like set me in a mindset of like, Oh wow, this movie's going to be fucking crazy. Um, and I really like got excited for the rest of the film after seeing that opening. Now, after that, I, I, I question the decision to essentially set half that movie on a dead in the water flotilla, just going through space, getting shot at. Like there's, 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 there's ping, question. Ping, ping. There's like questionable decisions. But Nick, we, we got to that. hear the shield sound again from the Battle of Naboo. He, that's true. <laughs> we got to hear it quite a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the, the opening scene is unquestionably just a like hey, a fucking ooh. thrill ride the moment it starts. What do you think about this take from Travis Mitchell here in the chat? The only flaw is I think the opening should have established Holdo commanding one of the ships, so she didn't feel as random later. I didn't feel that as much. Because, you know, I mean, like, ultimately what happens here is, like, you know, people get, like, yeah, like, you win this fight. I mean, and what comes down from it is, like, Poe getting shit on. It's like, yeah, you did this, but did you see what we lost? Like, yeah, you, you lost the entire up. fleet. So, like, dick. that, I think that, like, <laughs> inserting her into that scene would have muddied that whole purpose. Like, the whole purpose of that scene was to show you that, like, hey, this guy, as cool as all this shit was... He just got half this fleet fucking killed by himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think that if you put Holdo in there it, and you try to establish her character while all of that other stuff is happening, it's not like you, you're going to lose in both fronts. You're not going to get as good of a character introduction as you can get out of Holdo, and you're not going to get as harsh of a criticism as you would of Poe. So I, I disagree there. All right. Um, it, he he did remind me now. I, I left out the Holdo maneuver, and that totally should have uh, been the, a top uh, yeah. Moment. Like uh, the the Holdo I, maneuver was fuck I, like one of the yeah, best parts. Of the movie. I don't know how I forgot <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just pretend it's on here because that that is fantastic. The fact that it it has been named now and used in universe like as a canon name, it, it it makes it even better. And as a little nugget for those of you that like Star Wars lore in the comics. Uh, in between Empire and ROTJ, Holdo and Lando Calrissian were an item. Nice. They they liked to bump uglies in between missions. I'll that. just leave it at that. Quite quite the couple. It, I mean, it, like, she actually came on to him. I she think she that, actually was Mac and Lando. Like it it actually hurts me that that character died because Holdo. Yeah, because she was so good. She was like. Laura Dern was so good in that role. That character oh, yeah. was so good in terms of its relation to the resistance and how she interacted. I mean, 
more specifically with Poe because that was kind of her conversational partner through most of that film. Right. Like Poe and Leia were her primary uh, like sounding boards. And like, obviously nobody could have known this, like, but knowing that Carrie wasn't going to be around, could you imagine what Tross could have been if you had Holdo there instead of trying to piece together what was left of that's, that's a very good point. And like you said, it never would have happened because they weren't anticipating Carrie yeah. Fisher yeah. dying on a plane from her addiction. But you are right. I mean, if they would have kept Holdo, she could have, you know, obviously not filled that mantle that Leia would have filled as as the final standing OT character in Tross. But it would have been a lot cleaner than repurposing TFA footage and you know, I think they had Billy Lord stand in a few times for like back shots and stuff like that. Yeah. It just, yeah. The, I mean, JJ kind of had to do what he had to do because there was no real great way to resolve Carrie's passing, but uh, it, it gets pretty wonky. <sighs> All yeah. right. So moving on throughout TLJ here, like we said, we are going to give the Holdo maneuver some credit, even though it's, it's not going to have a graphic. But the next one we have here is the betrayal of Snoke and then the ensuing Ray-Kylo team-up. This is another scene, I'm telling you, the first time you saw it, I guarantee you were like, holy shit. I did not see that coming from a mile away. I mean, the, the, the whole scene's great. Snoke interrogating Ray the whole time, you think like, eh, Ben, he is a sellout, this piece of shit. Like, he, he is going to turn her in. And then Snoke delivering the line like he takes the blade as if he's narrating what Kylo is going to do to Rey when in reality Kylo is using the force to do it to him. Just beautiful shots like Sir Dork said in here. It the sequels of anything, the the greatest looking cinematography out of all Star Wars. I mean, just the, the, the visuals across the three films are ridiculous. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, that, it, it's a it's a it's a time and when they are created type of deal. But you you still need a director's eye and the DP's eye to kind of cook up these shots and watching Snoke get taken out, literally lopped in half, mall style. And then the battle, and yeah, if you watch the battle a few times, you can see it. it's a clusterfuck in terms of stunt guys just waiting for the talent to get their timing better. It is kind of odd that they didn't tighten that crap up. But I'm telling you, each one of you, whether you want to admit it or not, the first time you saw this scene, you were going... Wow. Wow. We've got another great Star Wars lightsaber fight under our belts. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was unquestionably one of the best scenes in TLJ. In, in fact, for me, it, it was either this or the Holdo maneuver. That's probably my favorite scene from TLJ. And, and like you were saying, this is so visually interesting. Like, the, and it was also the best decision that was made in this movie to kill for for Kylo to kill Snoke and essentially take on the mantle of of leader of the First Order is the best decision in this film, unquestionably. Um, yeah, and, no one had that on their their TLJ speculation bingo card. No, Nobody. No, of course not. Um, like. I completely disagree with with Travis on the Finn I'm, Rose. I'm throwing DJ it up. Thing. Well, hey Nick, that that's why and, it's a hot and, take, right? And like we'll 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 talk about it. I think it's childish, and and I know that Star Wars is made for children, and there has to be some childish stuff in it. But I also think that it was just all around a very pointless detour. 
But anyway, um, getting back to the the, the <laughs> Wait, throne. Dude, Travis room. is on fire. We'll we'll come back. <laughs> this is during this scene in the theater. My friend audibly said, "Holy fuck, is this the last?" Movie? <laughs> I mean, exactly. like, yeah, that's what I mean. It was such a shock. Yeah, I mean, it was it was. It was such an awesome moment for the character development of Kylo and then just like the fight that ensued after. Well, yeah, like we know that your stunt buddy essentially shit all over it the first time he saw it. But like from an outside perspective and not knowing what goes into stunt coordination and fighting and stuff like that, I watched it and I was like, this looks so cool. Exactly. Like when the when the the fire starts to overtake the red cloth in the background and, you know, you you, you then get this this view out of the the huge window of the the resistance fleet getting fucking pummeled and in the pressure that that puts on ray and and how that gives kylo the upper hand in in their in their conversation and like this scene was just so well done in the power dynamics in play and how they shift the moment that kylo pulls that saber back through snoke was really well done it was it was so well well done. yeah i mean dude that that's that is some of the beauty of tlj that i think a lot of people miss is the dynamic between kylo and ray and how that's built upon throughout the film and kind of comes to this crescendo where each one of them thinks they have the other one figured out and they're completely wrong yeah you know like ray even even in that elevator she's like i know you're you're, you're not you're not gonna give me up you're you're gonna be a good guy and you're gonna come and help me because your uncle wouldn't and in his mind, he's like, yeah, yeah, you're you're going to be my bitch and we're going to lead this thing together. And just like my grandfather wanted to do with his son, we're going to get things done. Yeah. All right. And but as an audience member, you you do kind of feel, especially when this moment happens, you you do kind of go like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Are we actually going to do this? Are, are, are we really going to we're going to take the villain and have him make that his turn already uh but like you said you know once the sabers brought in the play and and she rejects him just like daddy did to luke it's like all right screw you i'm gonna i'm gonna you know chop off your hand and throw you down a shaft yeah <laughs> so but yeah i mean this this scene was top notch for sure in tlj awesome yeah, good stuff all right we're, we're still sticking with tlj don't you worry uh right here is where we would have talked about the holdo maneuver but hey like i said we forgot <laughs> yeah holdo maneuver. but it, it, it's legit it is awesome uh it 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 not only visually it's got a little emotion cooked into it because you know what she's doing but you also get another great star wars sound bite um, it, it's up there with the, with the seismic charge when, when yeah. she rips through the fleet, you, you kind of get that complete science and then the mm-hmm. I remember and just, in the, see ya. in the theaters for that scene in the theaters, the first time I saw it and I went opening night, I went, you know, midnight, like first screening, they, they had somebody come through the theater and they told everybody like, there is a moment of, of, complete silence in this film don't be a dick and it no it's like it's not a problem like this the sound didn't cut out or anything like that just know hey hey the movie's broke yeah it's just like just know that it is intentional that there is no sound for about 45 seconds in a part of this movie so just be aware and like (laughs) that the holdo maneuver was such a good thing because like you said it was not only the starkness of that visual from it, but it was the emotion that's packed behind it because 
you know, it's everybody's evacuating. Everybody's getting out. And Holdo was the one that's like, get, like shepherding everybody onto the ships. Like, get on, get on, get on. I'll, I'm coming, get on, get on. And then when you realize like, oh, she's staying and she's going to sacrifice herself. You're like, oh man, that sucks. And then the way that she does it was so awesome that you, at that point, it's like, I don't care what you think about Holdo as her character. Like, what, you don't like her purple hair and dress? Like, fine, I whatever. That, yeah, I think that looks saucy yeah. as hell. I thought it looked cool. But um, <laughs> just like seeing that happen and you're like, this is one of the most badass things that I've seen on screen in a Star Wars film. And this immediately elevates that character to like, legendary status oh, yeah like i said nick holdo maneuver is canon in universe yeah i believe it doesn't um poe says name? it later i think in, in is it poe or um mary or not was it mary or pippin mary oh Who's yeah my dominic what's, yeah what's Do- dominic's dominic uh monahan yeah there you go. yeah yeah i think it was him yeah i think it was him. <laughs> all right so the real scene here and i don't know this one might be controversial but like i said when i go back to day one Matt sitting in his seat. We're on crate. You got the resistance. They're on their last legs. They're racing across the salt flats and those busted ass speeders. The first order rolls out the essentially a turbo laser, a portable turbo laser to melt down the door of the cave. And, you know, there's some good stuff in there. Ray shows up and the Falcon. That's kind of cool. But I, I really reacted emotionally when Finn kind of made the choice, like, you know what? Fuck it. This is how I'm going to finally be a hero. This is how I'm going to, you know, I've, I finally get it. I am a good guy. It doesn't matter that I start with the first order. And when I, when I first got here, I was trying to leave and get away from it just to go find Ray through my experience with, you know, Poe and mostly Rose. I I have realized like I, I got a purpose. I can do something good. And he makes that choice to, to essentially commit suicide and as Nick, I swear, as he's he's going in and the music's getting tense and the and the and the red starts washing over his face, I'm sitting there going, "Holy shit, they're gonna fuck, they're gonna kill a main character!" I was like, "They're gonna do it. This is crazy. I don't know if I wanted to do it, but my god, the fact that they have the balls to do this, yeah, yeah, yeah." And then you know, obviously Rose comes in with the big save, and you, and you kind of get that stuff. But leading up till Rose's save, I was fully hooked into the moment, fully feeling Finn's sacrifice. Kind of cheering it, but also kind of scared. Like, my God, I can't believe they're going to they're gonna wipe out one of the new big three already. Yeah, I mean, it was one... Like, I had the same emotional reaction to that where it was like, holy shit, they're... Like, he's... Like, the screen turns red when he gets in the line of the laser. Like, they're going to fucking kill this guy. Like, yeah. this is crazy. <laughs> exactly. And like, it was... Holy crap. If, if Ryan did one thing in this movie really well, he really understood dramatic tension and how to build it. A hundred percent. And, and like, you know, that's in three of the scenes that we've already talked about, like the opening scene with the bomber and everything yep. like that. The dramatic tension is at a high, the conversation, like when we're in the throne room before, like as Snoke's giving his speech and as we see the, like that's dramatic tension building perfectly as well. And the same with this, like it's a really, he does a really good job of being able to build dramatic tension to a point and then and then like disrupt it in some sort of way. And like this was another example of him like really doing a great job of, yeah. of like building and then dumping on that kind of uh, attention. 
I mean, I, I'm I'm not kidding. Like I'm I'm pretty good at figuring out plots and what may happen in a scene. I know that's a useless talent that that's never going to get me anything in life. But hey, I, I got it. It's one of my talents, right? Hey, my mom said I was a talented little boy. I I really really thought he was done. Like that's how convincing Ryan wrote it and then shot it. I was like, yeah, he's this is it. Like I, I can't believe they're going to do this. They're they're going to take out Finn. Yeah. And you know, I, you know, like we said, we get, we get to save, and it's that kind of the, the the steam release. You're like, "Whew, okay, all right, all right, here we go." Not not we're not done yet, but at least Finn is still alive. All right, next moment. Yep, still from TLJ. It's a big one though. Another one like like if you're on the live stream, that that visual of the the shot behind Luke as he is facing the First Order is one of the greatest stills from Star Wars. It's just, it's an amazing shot. And then the other one I use is another great shot where you got Luke with his blue and then Kylo on the opposite opposite side with his red getting ready to duel. But I really do, I think Luke's last stand is, it is a great moment. Um, it, it, I... You know, I, I, I'm not completely a, a huge fan of Luke Skywalker perishing from using the force too hard to project himself. But the moment in his intentions of doing what he did was was spot on Luke Skywalker. Amazing visuals. Great acting by Mark and Adam. You know, the, Mark's little dust off after Adam has his, you know, more aneurysm. Mm-hmm. And then just the duel where Luke is just sitting there schooling him and, and teaching him a lesson right to his face and why he is failing and why he is never going to achieve this supreme level of dark side greatness. And, um, you know, it, like I said, it kind of sucks that it was a, a projection. But listen, the first time going into this, we didn't know. We weren't looking at the footprints. We all thought that was him. And, and when Kylo, you know, makes the stab, you're like, oh, whoa. And then you go, holy shit, Ryan, you just surprised me again. I don't know if I love it that Luke Skywalker died from using the force too hard. But the idea, the way it was looked, shot, the dialogue, the scene itself, I, I thought it was all pretty, pretty great. Yeah. I, here's what I'll say about that. I agree with you that I don't like the got killed because he forced too hard um it's a it's a great moment how did you do it's on <laughs> use the force too hard yeah and it's like you know, i try to compartmentalize and stuff like this but there's just so many scenes from other pieces of star wars history and lore that are like it's like really it's like that that's what killed him because this guy drained a whole planet's fight like life force and he's fine that took a lot of force but just speaking on this scene, it's a great moment, partially because it has to be a, a great moment, and partially because it was filmed really well. Like it was, it was filmed really well. Um, like these two shots that you have up here are just like super incredible in terms of its cinematographic quality. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that if it wasn't for the visual aspect of this it could have fallen flat like if they didn't really nail the cinematography on this scene this could have fallen flat real bad like if you get 
any notion that he is a hologram before the way that it's revealed in the movie, it's it's not as good as it is as it was shot. So they did a really good job of like taking what is probably not the best way to kill the main character of Star Wars, let's be real, like outside of Anakin Skywalker. I was gonna say, hey, daddy's yeah, the main yeah, character. Like like, you know, you're 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 taking <laughs> The paragon of the light side of the force in Star go. Wars. I'll put it that way. The sun. And you, and you kill but him. not the sun. Yeah, not the sun. The, <laughs> Just the, the sun. The sun, yeah. <laughs> and you kill him because he forces too hard, which I always thought was weird. And like, would it have been better if he was there in person? I don't know. Like, would it, maybe. Like, I think that there is value to... Because if I, if I look at it in terms of Kylo's personal journey... I think that there is value in having him physically kill his uncle and his father and really seeing how those physical acts weigh on him. Like like what happened to Darth Vader when he cuts down Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't disappear because he forced too hard. He got killed of his own volition by his apprentice, and that weighed on Anakin. That weighed on Vader as like all the way through. And I think that there was value. He's like, how the hell did he do that? And yeah. where can I learn that trick? Exactly. And like I think that there is value in Kylo seeing the physical repercussions of what happens after he kills his uncle and truly understanding. And, I, and this is another myth that I think happened, and we talked about it before. Um, like truly not having that opportunity to connect to to connect the dots that like I may have killed him, but there is something here that I don't understand, and this angers me even further. And and like we didn't get that because of how Luke died well like, uh, nick y- you could argue just like obi-wan says to vader like y- you know you strike me down now i will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine he, he wasn't just talking shit yeah he, he was talking fact he's yeah. like dude you-, you take away my physical form guess what i'm everywhere yeah anywhere all the time yeah it's like i want you to do this it's like yeah, you don't understand this right now i want you <laughs> to do me. this and it, like it, i guess my point here I, I understand the force projection because it does make Luke to the rest of the galaxy truly seem like this legendary magical person. You know, he just shows up and disappears. He ate turbo lasers for 30 seconds, didn't phase him, dusted it off. But the fact that that killed him, like th- this entire movie was setting up the fact that Jedi or force users can project their being across the galaxy. Ray and fucking Kylo were doing it the whole film. Yeah. And they're novices compared to Luke. So what, you, you're telling me, Lee, because he had to go, what, a, an extra system or two? That it was it was too taxing? Yeah. And they do, Nick, they keep it up in Tross. I mean, they, they, they're fighting yeah, through they, the force. They have in Tross, just, just like this. on battles. <laughs> like, just like this. So it was just, and, it was an unfulfilling end to a, to the iconic character on the light side of star Wars. And like, while the scene itself looked really cool, I just think that like 
you really missed the purpose of a Jedi death. Like you just, you just went from maximum force and perished. Yeah. It's like, it almost seems like Ryan just didn't understand. Like son of chosen one uses too many midichlorians and shorts out. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and it's, it's a symptom. Like Travis said, like, I like Luke not being there. He did all he could to make sure he wasn't. It's a symptom of the bad storytelling leading up to this moment. That's just how it is. Like, your choice to keep Luke isolated away from all of the people that he cared about for his entire life up until the moment that he died is poor storytelling. And what you got as a result of it was this cool looking ending that ultimately did a disservice to the character of Luke Skywalker and his legacy in Star Wars. That's my I, I opinion. Gotta, I got to address this one from Bat because he, he's not wrong. Bat's saying, but didn't Palpatine link Rey and Kylo? Yeah, that was established when they wrote The Rise of Skywalker. Not not in this movie. Yeah, like that's what I'm talking about. That's there, some, like, like some, let me rejigger this in the script to make it make sense. Right. Yeah, I mean, Palpatine, for what we understand and know, didn't didn't even wasn't even in the, any script when when the TLJ was being written and shot. I know yeah. he wasn't because we've we've seen Colin Trevorrow's treatment. Hell, I mean, they had a book of concept art. It was a fully fleshed out movie and there was no Palpatine. So I, I know what you're saying, Bat. You're 100 percent correct. They, they established that after the fact, though, is kind of my point. All right. I'm just checking out some of the uh, comments here. All right, good stuff, people. You guys are yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you all today. This is this is making me happy. Thank you. All right, so um, I think that's it for TLJ. That means we get into shitbagville. Get into the best. I, one. I, 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 Nick, <laughs> I, I never thought I could find a movie that would upset me more than um, the prequels, Revenge of the Sith. But here we are. It, it, it it's cemented at this point in time. Tross is a is a is a dumpster fire, mm-hmm. but hey, we're we're here. We're playing nice. We we've got some some top moments here, starting with, and you know, there. Listen, like any Star Wars movies, there's always going to be something that that stands out to somebody. But I do kind of dig, really, the the opening of Tross, but but mostly, you know, Kylo and Exegol, and as much as it sucks seeing Ian again in that role and how he just slays it every time. I, 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 di- I, I do dig Kylo's arrival in Exegol in the meeting of Palpatine. Yeah, I think that, you know, putting aside the decisions made on what the story was and how I disagree with what it went or how it went, I do think that, they, that, that Ian came in and killed it as usual. And I do think that his portrayal of this version of Palpatine was really well executed. Um, do I agree with bringing him back? No. Especially... I was all the voices in your head. <laughs> Especially after seeing how they done it or how they did it. Um, but given the fact that that's how it went and those were the stored decisions that were made, I think that Ian did the best yeah, job I mean, that hey. he could have. It's not his fault that he returned, his character returned. Yeah. So they're like, hey, <laughs> man, we, we just cooked up some really crazy narrative gymnastics stuff and Palpatine's alive. Yeah. You want, you want to come back? Okay. He's like, uh, you know, <laughs> the more I think about this, like if Kylo could get his blade this close, why don't he just chop his head off? 
I mean, it's the same question when he was, I mean, like this, this scene mirrors. Because we know, we know this is like a broken clone version of, of the emperor. He did not have his powers. Yeah. He he even tells us after the fact, I mean, his fingers are crumbling and he needs the diet or at first just his granddaughter's juice, then the dyad juice. But I mean, yeah, there's no way he's still Palpatine Palpatine. Yeah. I mean, this scene mirrors the scene, the hallway scene when Anakin first finds out that Palpatine is, you know, Palpatine and you're the Sith Lord when they're circling each other. He's got the fucking blade out and stuff like that. In that moment. Yeah. Like if Anakin makes a move, Palpatine probably can stop him in this moment kylo probably could just chop his head off with no problem but it's like they're they're paralleling that scene where it's like now i understand who my master is and now i understand like the greater force behind what is going on in this galaxy so you kind of see this as a moment in revenge of the sith where anakin finally figures out that homeboy is is Darth Sidious and he kind of has the blade yeah. at him like yeah yeah I'm You're gonna go tell Sith. on you exactly. and in two seconds I'm gonna come back and murder a bunch of kids yeah exactly like it, it's 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 a mirroring of that scene and in, in the fact that it's like I gotcha I never thought about that like way. the but main you, character or the main like you know in in Rots the main character Anakin finally realizes like this is the villain this is this is who is behind everything and kind of the same thing for Kylo except not in a villainous fashion it is it's him having a true understanding who is the puppet master of of the first order which he thought that he was in control of so it kind of mirrors it in that way right yeah um, i, I yeah. can dig that look look at you adding like some intelligence to the rise of skywalker <laughs> i like it okay got to try next in some places <laughs> right <laughs> next moment somehow palpatine returned and hear me out it's so fucking bad it's so awful, so memeable, such a joke that for those negative reasons, it stands out as a top moment. Everyone, mm-hmm. even casual fans, will make fun of somehow Palpatine return. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's going on this list. I can't help it. I mean, it is it is a full encompassment of the thought that was put into bringing Palpatine back in terms of how they decided to do this from a writing standpoint. Like they didn't put any thought into it. The, <laughs> the, the tenuous uh, strings that they tried to tie together with the, his essence went to Exegol and this was the plan the whole time and blah, blah, blah. And how little explanation they actually did in the film. And yeah, I mean this, this encompasses that decision in its entirety. By saying that he somehow returned. And you can tell when Oscar has to deliver this line, it hurts him as an artist. Yeah. I mean, watch this scene. When when Isaacs delivers this line, you can tell it took all of his acting ability to just get it out and not look at the camera and JJ and go, are you fucking serious? Like this, this is this, this is what you want me to say In in, in this style, this tone. Really? Okay. Whatever. You know, I I make yeah. a handsome salary. I'll do it. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, I, I'm I'm with League, and I've talked about some like the Palpatine return is it's a cardinal sin. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. It, not only for what it do, does to the end of Return of the Jedi and the and my hero Darth Vader, but it just it ultimately confirms and 
kind of puts the stamp on the sequel trilogy as being less than. It's like the it's like the stamp of yeah the, this this is we we started high and then we just kept going down and then when we got here we went right into the the center of the earth like it just see yeah. you later. I just and you know we should have seen the signs on the wall and I think that Matt and I were both trying to cope very very hard. How yeah, dude, a celebration when he comes out. Like, you every know, we're dude like, is like, we're like yeah, Palpatine's back. We're like, yeah, because you're at celebration. You're you're kind of on like this Star Wars high for a few days. But then I don't think any of us realize like how stupid that idea yeah. really was and how jacked it was gonna make multiple decades of Star Wars. Yeah. And I, I think that like when you just look at Everything that happened leading up to Tross, there there was no chance that this movie was going to be great. There really wasn't. Like, there was just too much working against it. Like, you had a director and writing team drop out less than two years before the movie is supposed to start, like, or is supposed to release, not even start filming. It was supposed to release yeah. less than two years at, uh, after... Colin and his writing partner dropped out. So not only do you have to hire a new director and writer, they have to have time to rewrite the whole thing to be whatever it is that they want it to be because there's no direction given from Lucasfilm on what the story's supposed to be. So they have to come in with limited time and resources and rewrite it. And then your star of that movie from the OT is no longer there and you are forced to use her. Like that there, yeah i mean the, the the leia thing as we discussed that that ultimately was the big killer of this film but you, you still could have made other choices that aren't somehow yeah. palpatine returned. and like i don't know what the real story is behind this i know that i read an article and i think we discussed this at the time that tross was coming out or like leading up to it or maybe right after it's it's release but like the decision from what i can remember the decision to bring Palpatine back was based off of conversations that JJ had with George. Like there were that's Nick. That's what they tell us. But yeah, I mean, I like, so I don't know. Like, I don't like, that's what I'm saying is like, if that's the case, then like that's fucked, you know, like it's, it's fucked from a standpoint of you can see that JJ is struggling in this task because he's essentially asked to rewrite a movie at, at, you know, with very limited time left. And then he's going to the creator of it all and being like, Hey man, I, I really could use your guidance here. I could use your help. <laughs> and George then, did it on purpose. And then George essentially <laughs> shot him in the face and yeah, was he's like, like, Oh, Oh, you, you want some tips after Bob Iger shredded my treatments for seven, eight, nine. Sure. I'll give you a tip. Somehow Palpatine returned. Take that back. They'll love it. Yeah. And, and then like, George, when, 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 when JJ leaves, George is like, you fucking idiot. Like, gotcha. And if, gotcha. if that's really how it went, if that's really how that decision was made, I feel George has dementia. Like, I feel so bad for JJ. Like, and, and like, that's like, that's the only thing that I can say about this whole film is like, I feel really bad for JJ because his intentions weren't to come into this and make a meme of a movie that, that people dislike. Like 
he was really trying to close this out in a way that that like he thought made sense. He talked to the guy who created the whole thing and he was like, please help me. And his help was to bring back the guy that George chose to kill in episode six. And if like if that's how it went down, then like. I don't even know what to say. Like yeah. it's it's just it's, sad. It is wild, man. It, it, and there's a reason Tross is my least favorite. If you, if you just think about all of the bad ingredients that went into it, it, it never had a chance, sadly. Yeah. And it's a shame for whatever reason Colin quit. Who knows if we'll ever figure that real reason. Was he forced out? Was it was it Kathy? Was it another disagreement on direction? The only thing I really heard that he was really anti Luke getting whacked in the middle. But from the treatments we read from him, he had accepted that. And Luke was a force ghost, but still heavily involved with both Ray and, yeah. and Kylo. I think that like it was that mixed with Carrie being gone. He was just like, yeah, cause it. no, I mean, she, she had major moments yeah. too. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Like to the point where I, I believe she was going to go and confront her son. Yeah. There was that, like that, a face to face between yeah, like them. that, that, that type of stuff. Uh, all right. Well, somehow he returned and he's going to be with us forever now. <laughs> he lives forever. Thanks to Tross. Next moment here. Kind of emotional. It, probably the, one of the better ways they, they used Leia. And, and it, it's, it's a culmination of things. So we're, we're picking up with Ray and Kylo's fight on the down Death Star 2 out there in the Endor system or wherever the hell. I forget the name of the actual planet. But we all know what happens. I mean, uh, uh, eventually, Ray defeats him, but it's really because of Leia. Yeah, Leia gets in her son's head like right at the last moment. You can see him. He Leia's about to pass, and and she did do this on purpose. Like Leia took her. She kind of pulled an Obi Wan Kenobi. Can we agree? She she's like, listen, I'm gonna. I'm going to be more important for the galaxy right now if I move on into the Force world and my son knows. Yeah. Because this is the one thing that is going to snap this dumbass's kind of his, his you know, goofy thinking about the dark side and having to be his grandfather. That This should snap him out of it. And, and sure enough, it did. So much so that Ray was able to kill him until she brought him back to life. Because if you watch that moment, Nick... When the moment Leia passes, both of them are shook. Yeah, yeah. But it's too late because she already kind of has the blade in. It's almost like the moment Kylo is taken out, his mom dies, and Ray realizes, like, oh, shit. I just probably did a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the just the fight, like, this moment in particular was very good because of the Leia connection. But I also just genuinely enjoyed the fight on the Death Star wreckage. I thought that the fight between Kylo and Rey, while it didn't have feelings of, you know, the prequel trilogy, like frantic energy, fast movement type of fighting, I do feel like those two fighting in the fashion that they fought in felt appropriate for their characters. And I think that it was really... um it really enhanced the emotional connection between them because they're not fighting. They're not like fighting each other because you're a combatant of mine and I have to get through you to get this. They're fighting each other with not only their, their, you know, their movements, but what their emotions, because they're yeah. both they're but it, it, it reminisces and not like people are going to take this the wrong way, 
but it is emotionally reminiscent to the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan at the end of, at the end of rots where it's like, I'm not fighting you because you're my enemy. I'm fighting you because I believe that you could be more than what you are or that you right, are like making. I, I'm right. And you just need to believe me. Yeah. It's, it's not a fight about strength. It is a fight about the other trying to win the other over to their, to their side. And that makes this fight interesting in, in like a very visceral way. It's it, like, it's always cooler to see people fighting who have, things invested into it rather than just like, Oh, well this guy shot 18 people in the face. It's like, yeah, but it was just like, like what's the deeper meaning there. And like the deeper meaning of this fight was, I actually thought was really good. The- no, you're right. Cause this fight finally allows them to pay off on what was being set up in TLJ. Like these two had a true bond. They were working towards a goal of coming together and kind of using their special abilities to do the right thing. Kylo obviously shot that down because what what does Ray say right here when she beats him and then heals him? She's like, I I wanted to follow you, but I wanted to follow Ben, mm-hmm. not yeah. that Kylo dickhead. So yeah, yeah, it, it was it, it finally kind of paid off on all that setup from TLJ. Like, no, these two are connected in a way that other Force users haven't been. Yeah. But because of their different goals, they they weren't allowed to kind of form that bond until Leia sacrificed herself. Ben returns, and and Ray realizes like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. And I mean, Th- like, this is this is who I want. Yeah, th- that is that is essentially the same struggle that happens between Anakin and Obi Wan at the end of Rots. Like Anakin is has fallen so far that he can't see the error of his own ways. And Obi-Wan is there essentially with every swing being like, you're not this person. You're better than this. You know that this is wrong. And like, that is what Ray says to Kylo. Like there is somebody in you that is wholesome and good and, 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 and worth following. And I would give my life for this person but what you are right now is not that. And this is why I have to, this is why we're fighting. So but, I actually want to build on your point. Cause I, I do agree with you that the fight itself is, does kind of mirror Obi-Wan and Anakin, but I would challenge you and say the end to me, Nick is closer related to Luke beating his dad on the yeah. death star. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Ray, I mean, she fucking kills him. Right. I mean, she taps into a little anger. You would think she, we know she's a Palpatine. She's all upset about it. Stabs him through the heart. I mean, Luke didn't even take it that far. He just chopped a, a, a hand off. But the moment she does that, be it through Leia or, or her or herself, she's like, Oh shit. Like, okay, let me, uh, let me, let me cool down here and just be like, Hey man, like, listen, I, I, I do want to be with you, but but Ben Solo. So yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of a marriage of the two two greatest and and most most emotionally impactful lightsaber duels in Star Wars. Yeah, um, you popped one thing up on the screen from Ben Rice as I enjoyed Tross oh, for the adventure Back feeling, but the plot is bad. I totally agree with that because I was entertained by this movie the first time I saw it. And I was like, man, this was a fun watch. Like there's some, there were like, there was immediate issues with the plot the first time you see it too. But in comparison to TLJ, where there were long stretches of that movie where I was like, this kind of feels boring. Like we're, we're getting a little stagnant here. Master code breaker. Oh God. 
Um, I feel like Tross kept a pace, kept it visually interesting. The, and, and like it had much of more of that like adventure action feeling that I enjoyed. So yeah, I, yeah I remember how pissed we were because it had a quick pace and it didn't remember. I mean, Nick yeah. and I, before it came out, we were lobbying for three hours to three twenty five. We were like, it's got to be at least end game length. Yeah. And then we, we get the, the runtime. It's like two hours and 12 minutes. We're just like, like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. That was another sign where we're like, Uh-oh. Where we're just like talking ourselves into being like, it's still going to be good. It's still going to be good. It's still yeah. going to be good. But like at that point we're like, probably not. And mind you, if you're new here, we essentially knew the whole plot. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure that didn't help. But in the end, it it doesn't really matter. I I don't think this movie will ever redeem itself in in my eyes. You never know. All right. Moving on. And we're kind of sticking close to this scene here. But one, not Force Ghost Han, but Vision Han shows up. That's definitely a, a pointed moment, a standout moment from... The Rise of Skywalker, you know, was it Leia helping like Travis was saying down here in the chat? Who knows? But it was it was kind of a good full circle for these two, uh, especially for for Ben to kind of hear from his dad like, hey, man, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. I, I. I don't know how I feel about the like the Leia made this happen, because I really do think that by by saying that Leia did this as well as the other stuff that already happened here. I think Ben cooked it up in his head. Yeah. I think that you're taking agency away from Ben and you're taking, you're, you're, you're not giving him enough credit to what he's capable of doing and like what he needed in that moment, you know, like what he needed in that moment more than anything after the death of his mother and essentially the death of the person that he was trying to build himself up to be for years, decades or longer than a decade, it's like he needed that connection with his father. He needed that moment. And this could be something that he was able to manifest himself, whether it be through, like you're saying, like through a vision that he is able to make manifest into a visual representation of his father, or if it really is just him, like really reaching into the force and, and being able to extract his father's essence just for a short conversation with him. Like, I don't, I don't think that that was Leia. I think that that was Ben making true or like making true to himself what he needed in that moment. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Just don't ask Harrison Ford what he was in this <laughs> yeah. scene. Cause he does not respond kindly to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think was it on Kimmel or Fallon? I, it, there's a clip of this or is there some show they're like, Hey, Harrison, were, were you a force ghost or he's like, Oh, why? What the fuck? <laughs> It <laughs> starts going nuts. He's like, shut like, the hell up. Yeah, you he's like, losers. I don't want to talk about this. He's like, I didn't even want to do this scene. I just did it, for, you know, like. And you know. I also love the Conan bit where the dude rolls out with the big Lego Millennium Falcon and then Harrison just throws. <laughs> he just like, oops, and drops it. He's like, yeah. You can buddy. really see at the end of this trilogy how done he was with Star Wars. Yeah, this isn't Indiana Jones to him. No, Indiana yeah. Jones, he, he'll do if they'll let him. In a wheelchair, but yeah. Star Wars, he was done in 1977. Yeah, I mean, he he was like, kill me now, please. <laughs> Never want this dude to make it to Empire Strikes Back. All right. Moving along here. I know a lot of people like this moment. I know my buddy loves it, but the arrival of the Resistance fleet on Exegol, led by Lando himself, 
you know, it is, it is a moment. It definitely pops. It gets the emotions going. I, I, I mostly credit the emotions to Mr. Williams, you know, kind of because it kicks in with a you know, like that, you know, the, the, the rally cry, the Star Wars yeah. rally. Um, you know, visually it looks awesome. The the heroes are down. They all show up. Lando's leading it. You got Wedge in there, Chewie in there. You can see the ghost floating back there. So is that Hera? Is it Jason? You get to play those types of games. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely a moment if you're asked, hey, what stands out from the Rise of Skywalker? Most fans are probably going to bring this up. Yeah, I feel like this is my favorite moment for sure. I mean, like I said, I think in the last podcast, like just these types of moments get me all the time. Like it got me in Endgame. It got me in this movie. Like it's just when the chips are down and everything looks bad, when, when the, the, the friend squad shows up to save the day, it just feels good. And I do think that like, you know, cueing that William score, having, uh, having Lando be the one leading the charge and also seeing like seeing wedge, seeing Zuri, seeing a lot of these other characters, um, pop up and show uh, their face in this moment, I think was really cool. And like, you know, I, like this is also the same type of moment as, as, as uh, you know, the Helm's Deep moment from, from two towers, you know, the, when, when Gandalf shows up with Aomer in the Rohirrim oh, and yeah. runs down the hill and clear, clears out all the, what's uh, the line Gandalf tells Aragorn though, before he leaves, like look to the, Look to the east on like on the second day or something yeah, like that. Yeah, second or third day. Look to the east that the sun's rising. Right, and like and there, he, there he is. And then Aragorn looks through that window. the The shadows come up. You get Gandalf there, and then Aomer comes in, and oh, then to the king. Boom. I mean, it was. God damn, I'm getting chills. Man. I know. It's just like just remembering that scene is such a incredible ah, thing. thank god for peter jackson and those movies during the early 2000s because they really helped to fill my nerd time when I, star wars wasn't jiving i mean i'll i'll never forget 2001 through whatever whenever the trilogy came out got me re- i never read the books before i mean the hobbit sure never read lord of the rings and then i was hooked and silmarillion unfinished tales one and two mm. This the appendices. I mean, I was. That's all I did. That's probably why I graduated Ohio State with a two eight three. Because instead of paying attention, I was in the back of the room reading. Believe it or not, reading words and shit. Not even on a device because we didn't have them back yeah, then. That's how old I am. But just reading the good old books. But yeah, you. Yeah. There is something about the the hero cavalry charge that kind of just gets people amped up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, and the final top scene or moment from the sequel trilogy. Coming from the Rise of Skywalker, I am all the Jedi. All right? Hear me out. This could have been... This honestly could have been probably the most iconic scene in all Star Wars if they were just a bit more creative and actually used the Jedi speaking as their, you know, ethereal forms there with her. Like, I do think that would have been Mm -hmm. fucking banger. You got Anakin... Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Kanan. I mean, you name it. They're all sitting there with their hands on her shoulders or something like that. Like, come on. Just like, just you describing it is, it's still just like, oh, it would have been so good. Oh, there's, there's a fan edit. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Go, go look it up. I mean, it, that's pretty much what I, I would take. It's fantastic. But, you know, it's not there. I still think it's a great moment. 
I love the character of Ray. I always will. I don't care what all you misogynist, incel, basement dwellers think about her and Mary Sue this, Mary Sue that. Luke Skywalker's a fucking Bobby Sue. Let's be real. I mean, give me a break. He, he didn't receive training. Ray didn't receive training. It happens. You know, when people got the force juice, guess what? They're going to be pretty impressive. But I, I just love this moment. It kind of pays off on what she's trying to do in the in her in the opening shot of her training in the force in the movie. You know, I, you know, the you know trying to reach out to everyone. Really, it, to me, it's like she she's been trying so hard to connect with her kind, the Jedi, mm -hmm. the light side force users. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing. Luke's dead. You know, Leia's like a half. She's not even fully in it. She's trying to reach out to these people. And it's not until the chips are down, Ben seemingly dead, she's been nuked, that she finally makes the connection. And they're like, listen, Ray, we've been with you the whole damn time. You can do this, girl. Get up. We got you. We're with you. You are all of us now. You are the last. But you won't be the last because of us. And then, you know, she's starting with the Skywalker family blade handling it. And then, or, or she start with Leia's. I can't remember. I think she starts with Leia's because and, and then ben swings was, the other one around. Yeah. So there, you've got Leia and Luke's lightsabers in the hand of Rey to help her defeat their nemesis and now her nemesis. It, mm -hmm. It's 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 good shit. Yeah, and she does it. Unlike Anakin Skywalker, who just throws people down reactor <laughs> shafts, she ensured to melt the dude's body to essence. Nothing everything and like, then blows up all the fucking acolytes hanging out there yeah. too i think that like of all of the mistakes that led up to this moment in terms of the storytelling and everything else if you can just compartmentalize this scene and just watch this scene for this scene it's really good like yeah. it's not as good as it could have been because like you were mentioning like having that visual representation of all of these force users behind her would have been such a good juxtaposition versus Palpatine and all of the followers that he has behind him. Like really visually sending that home would have made it even better, but like still for what it is, like this scene is really killer. Like it, and, I mean, she sacrifices it. I mean, she dies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, like what, what I, I don't think that I would have done anything different if I was in JJ's position and had everything that I had leading up to this moment. I probably would have done it the same way, just sprinkle in those force ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good stuff. And, it, you know, it's not their fault that this movie is what it is, but it, it, was, a, it was a pretty good kill shot, if anything. Yeah. Um, I, I, let me address this from Bat. Nobody mentioned Luke raising the X-Wing. Listen... That segment on on actor or whatever, I, I think, is just so out of place. It, it's, I mean, Ray sitting there having a hissy fit, like throwing shit, like eh, 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 like destroying the Tie Fighter, like oh, I'm gonna be like Luke and camp out here now, wah. And then she throws the lightsaber and he catches it, and now all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, that's disrespectful shit. I mean, it's clearly JJ yelling at Ryan through character dialogue. Yeah, I mean, it was so petty. Luke Skywalker is a completely different character in the Rise of Skywalker. He's all jovial and happy now that he's fucking dead, and it's just it's stupid. And yes, as a fan and knowing what Luke saw in Dagobah with Yoda, it, it should be a great kind of circle moment, but. Because that scene is so janky and just doesn't feel authentic, I I couldn't do it bad. Yeah, it's 
it was an apology scene that 100%. JJ tried to do, but it was like, was it really worth it? Like, I just, I just don't know what the idea was. Like, I, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish with it. Like, obviously what he's trying to do is like use Luke as a way to tell Ray, like what I did was a mistake, you know, like, and, and like people make mistakes and people should have the opportunity to atone for their mistakes. But like it, it felt like more of an apology to the audience than it did an apology to Ray. And it just weird. Like, I mean, Mark completely was a completely different version of Luke and Tross. Yeah. And I mean, it's at this and, and that and listen, people are like, oh, he learned the lesson from Yoda. No, he he didn't learn that lesson from Yoda. He learned like, hey, our order and the books and shit. That that's why we sucked. We we gotta let our our students kind of show us what's up. Yeah, you know, let, 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 let's let 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 let's let this go. It's no big deal. He, he didn't say, hey man, lightsabers are cool. Don't treat them like shit, and start acting like a happy go lucky character. When was Luke Skywalker ever like slappy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Never. Like what are we? Whatever. Okay. Wait. I, we're, we're we're getting short on time, so I'm not gonna keep spinning my my tongue on this crap. But hey, there you go. Now, real quick, before we get in the fan segment, we're gonna rip through Matt and Nick's top five just to see where we kind of landed on our own. Starting with Young Nick here. Here's Nick's tops. We're gonna just rattle through them here. Coming in at number five, Nick went with the Snoke betrayal on the on his ship in the throne room from TLJ. Yep. Number four, Nick is going with the arrival of the Resistance fleet at Exegol. Mm-hmm. Number three, something Hi. Han talks to Ben in yeah, The Rise it, of Skywalker. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Number two... Han's death at the hands of his son from TFA. And then number one. Ray pulling the saber. Ray and pulling TFA. the saber. All right. Good picks there, Nick. Here comes my top five. Obviously, this is going to be the right top five. Mm-hmm. Number five, I have Luke's last stand on crate. Number four, I have Ray and Finn's Jack Who Escape. Number three, Snoke's death in TLJ, so just like young Nick. Number two, Han's death from TFA, just like young Nick. And number one, it's undeniable. It's up there, probably top five most emotional kick-ass Star Wars moments. But Rey pulling the Skywalker family blade to herself in the snowy forest of Ilum. Right. All right. So that concludes our top Star Wars live action moments. If you've missed the other eras, make sure to hit up youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Just check check out our live playlist and you will find them there. Fear not. We'll be back next week with a special topic. Just got to look at the calendar, but I think we might start potentially uh, producing some Bad Batch Season 3 type of stuff. Uh, Not sure yet. We've got plenty on the list. Thanks to the fans. Thanks to my head. Stuff like that. But uh, I've been digging these and we're going to keep them up for now because it's not like there's a ton of news coming out. And I honestly don't expect much more news 
until after Bad Batch coming into May. I think May we're really going to start getting a clearer picture of what 2024 is going to look like in terms of new Star Wars content. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, friends, it's that part of the time of the Star Wars Time Show to focus on our fans. We love you all, even though you don't love us as much and the algo hates our guts. But we are committed to it because we do appreciate those that take the time to sit around and play with us on whatever night we choose to speak the SWTS gospel. So first up, we always do our, our question of the week. And I screwed up and Nick screwed up because we were supposed to do the questions to us during pop culture talk, but we did not. Yeah, so we will we will way. tackle those now. But the way we do this, Star Wars Time over on Instagram. I, I'm trying to post the prompt. It seems if I get it up at 7 a.m. on Tuesdays, it gets some traction. So let me get some screen switched up and Nick will be. Well, actually, we're going to ask the questions of ourselves first. So yeah. Here we go. Let me get them pulled up. Uh, I think the first one was from Rippick Tan here. Mm -hmm. All right. Our buddy Rippick underscore underscore Tan is asking favorite vehicle from each trilogy. Size does not matter. Okay. Um, I'll I'll go first. Um, So prequel trilogy, my favorite craft was probably the... Jedi Starfighters, because they were just so nimble. Um, it was really cool to see those in action, especially in the beginning of ROTS. Um, I just thought that those were like super fun crafts that were like really agile and gave Jedi an opportunity to like bring their skills to the air in a way that you didn't have in the other uh, trilogies. So I thought that one was cool. I, I really liked the Thanks, Jedi. Thanks, Ben. We love you, buddy. Um, in the original trilogy, it's the ADAT for sure, because that was the first vehicle that I saw that was like really just like overwhelmed you with its Damn, size. Man, you're nailing some good ones. Fuck. <laughs> and like, I know that there are bigger vehicles in the original trilogy than the ADAT, but it was like the first time that you're on Hoth and those things come into view and you're like, you're, you're overwhelmed with the size of it. And it was just, it was truly like one of those things that was like hard to wrap your mind around, like how big it was. And that really gave you that David versus Goliath feel of the empire versus the rebellion. Um, and then in the uh, sequel trilogy, I, I'm trying to think, I mean, like I think the obvious answer for that one is Kylo's um, like modified tie interceptor. His interceptor. Yeah. Yeah. Like that one just had this, sick look to it that was like so indicative of that character and really fit Kylo in what he was aiming to become so well and also like in a way built off of the design of Vader's craft from the original trilogy um so that to me was was probably my favorite from prequel or sequel solid solid i i don't want to repeat too many i mean i I definitely would have taken anakin's eta too, 100 percent. so i'll i'll go with i'll go with the 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 naboo n1 yeah that was my other one (laughs) okay so i'll since nick did that one i'll I'll pick the n1 original trilogy i wouldn't even think in ground vehicles but nick is 100 percent correct it is the ad ad that's the right answer but since he picked it 
I'll, I'll kind of go with one that many people probably aren't even considering, but I'm going to go with the uh, Imperial Lambda class shuttles. Okay. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Shuttle Tidarium. I just, mm-hmm. I've always loved them. That opening in, in Return of the Jedi where it drops out of the belly and the, the wings fold out and you hear that, and, and you know, Vader's on. I, I don't know. They're just a, I've always loved that the angular look of the Empire. And damn, the sequel trilogy's tough. You're right. The Interceptor is really the only one that stands out because everything else looks so Imperial-like. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to say Snoke's flagship, but it's just a big freaking triangle. So I'm, I'm trying to like pull on something that was stands out. So I guess I'll be a smart ass and say Ochi of Bastoon's ship. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pull something. I, I mean, mean that, that, okay. That hard. I'll go. How about Poe's Pose Black X-Wing? That, yeah. Like the Black X-Wing was like my other thought as well. Cause it was the orange like a, one's cool too, but the black one was first. Yeah. So I, I, I think that that's a good answer. All right. Good, good stuff there. Rippick. I, I do like these. I wish we could have, I, I look Nick, I mean, IG these days in terms of stories, I think maybe 30 people see our stories in a 24 hour period, which is odd, but Oh, well, uh, we also got one from our friend league of extraordinary Sixers. Looks like this one is just for me. What field of professorship are you in, Professor Matt? <laughs> I kind of like, prof- I'm going to say I'm in the field of professorshipping. I dig it. Uh, uh, computer science. And it's a, it's a joke. But yeah, I, I'm a computer science professor and I don't really program. Just don't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So those, we, we should be doing those at the start of the show, but because we're both dumb and have holes in our brain, we forgot. Yep, so now... 100%. We're truly getting into the the fan question of the week. As Nick said, we always try to theme it to a topic we are riffing on for a particular show. So we asked our fans or whoever could see them, what's your favorite moment from the sequels? And, you know, we we got a fair amount of responses. Yeah, we did. We got a ton of responses. I was surprised to see that. Let's see how much hate and vitriol are in the... Let's do it. Um... First comment comes from at sir.dork, our good friend Jared, one of the best toy photographers in the land. He says, I still don't think I've had a bigger oh shit moment than when, and I'm going to preface this by saying, this is when when Jared's keyboard stopped working. I love he it. Said, no, read it as written. That's, that's I part will, of the rules. Yeah. Uh, a bigger oh shit moment than when Kylon sliced smoke in half. <laughs> <laughs> Kylon sliced is one word. Uh, well, yeah, then, so you, you just read it as there's a character known as Kylon, Kylon sliced. sliced yes. And then there's also someone known as Smoking Half. Yeah, so uh, I still don't think I've had a bigger <laughs> oh shit moment than when Kylon sliced Smoking Half. Uh, and totally surprised, he said. So uh, thank you, Jared. Of course, we Love have to it. poke fun at you. Uh, so good stuff there. Next up, Pixel Rope says... <laughs> There are a few moments in TLJ that really stood out despite the division, the divisive nature of the film. The Ray Ren Praetorian duel is just outstanding. Uh, the moment with Luke and Yoda and the Luke and Kylo yeah, duel are genuinely job, Pixel great. So likes all those. 2797 Studios. Uh, good buddy Bat says, I've got to go with Luke's last stand against Kylo. Yes, something from TLJ. Woo-woo. It gave us the Luke we all were wanting. Uh, or, yeah, we were all wanting. Daddy, Saber, and all. We got peak aggression uh, or peak aggro Kylo. 
and it was visually stunning. There's More. always been a father More. complex in Star Wars, and this was definitely the crescendo of it all. Quick tangent. Look up the Thanksgiving meme with Kylo yelling more. It is a gem. Uh, next up, Johnny Osage. Uh, he says, my uh, most favorite moments of all three sequels were the special effects. Huge jump from the OT and prequels. My favorite came from the worst character, Admiral Holdo, <laughs> uh, with her kamikaze light speed into the First Order flagship. So he's not a huge Holdo fan. I know that. Yeah, he, you know, a lot he didn't like that segment, huh? Johnny I saw like Johnny. I saw say. Johnny. I know he was in here. That's probably him. why he left. All yeah. the, the, too much Holdo love. Sorry, Johnny. Indeed. Uh, all right. Next up, my father Django says the Falcon chase through Jakku. Uh, yeah, we brought that up. Incredible stuff there. Uh, League. League. Look at League. She, she's here. going tones on us, man. Yeah, so she's giving us a full uh, <laughs> dissertation. Uh, TFA. First, let's talk about John Williams returning <laughs> to Star Wars as the composer. He created one of the best new themes in The Force Awakens. The Race nostalgia theme. of seeing the original crew again from the original trilogy back together, uh, back together again. And the new, the introduction of the new characters to usher in, uh, usher in a new era of Star Wars. The duel between Kylo, Finn, and Rey was dope. TLJ. Personally, I think this is the best of the trilogy. Crotchety Luke Skywalker was the Brave epitome statement. of someone who is tired of all the BS favorite scenes, Snoke throne room duel, the Holdo maneuver, the simplistic nature of that scene, uh, watching the ship silently crash into the other ship was stunning filmmaking there. The Luke, the master teaching his apprentice Kylo one more lesson before giving himself to the force. Um, and then Tross, while this film is the worst of the trilogy, it did have moments for some reason. I really loved Oh, Ray that's a fantastic jumping, shot. Yeah, over Kylo's, sh- uh, over Kylo's ship. That was a sick shot. Um, the introduction of a Force dyad was something I wish was more realized than it was in the film. Yep. The duel on the ocean was visually stunning, seeing Leia one more time. So, League giving us we like it. all of her thoughts there. Um, Rippick says, Rippick Tan says, the garbage will do. Uh, the when they're talking about the Falcon and TFA, <laughs> Finn rocking the Skywalker blade, oh, yeah. uh, TFA as well. Ray and Finn escaping Jakku oh, yeah. on the Falcon TFA as well. Luke and Yoda. Okay. That's the TLJ, uh, force <laughs> Skyping, which is yep. again, TLJ and Tross combined. Babu Frick. Babu. Babu Frick. We, we did leave out, but they, he was a fan favorite, uh, from Tross. And My then, friend. John Williams' new scores. Uh, oh, so, yeah. There we go. Um, press, pause, press pause photography. Connor, our good friend Connor, says, uh, it's got to go to Luke's scene with Yoda. The lesson of failure along with the visuals and the music uh, is what I wanted from the sequels. Luke felt like Luke in that scene, headstrong uh, but stubborn. I think headstrong and stubborn are the same thing. So didn't, <laughs> um, Just like that boy we met on Tatooine. Um, and Yoda is wise having grown beyond his failure as the grandmaster of the prequel era. It's a great full circle moment for the character as he's able to show Luke that failure can be a part of the lesson. If <laughs> and no one's failed on. worse than Yoda. That's for damn sure. It's very true. Uh, take more toy photo says Holdo maneuver. Love that it has a name. Um, quick picks toys says, I think I cried when I saw, 
uh, back Luke at the end of Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, but many other nice moments and apologies to those who hated uh, The Last Jedi. But I really like the approach of Luke S. retired like Yoda. Uh, so he likes uh, Luke in PLJ. Uh, Black Series Natural Light says saber duel between Ray and Kylo in front of Snoke. So Got that it. was, yeah, thrown him. Um, Tyrannus Figs one one two zero says Kylo freezing the blaster bolt. That actually was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, well. I ended up bringing it up anyway, so agreed. Yeah, so that was that was pretty sick. Uh, Toy at heart says best answer yet. When Ray first wields her <laughs> lightsaber. Now I don't know if he means her lightsaber, as in the one that she ignites at the end of Tross. Ooh, ooh, because that yeah, is technically you, you, her you lightsaber. You see the kind of the blue green becomes yellow. Yeah. So I don't know if he means that or when he when Ray right. pulls the Skywalker. Good, good pick up there, Nick. Good pick up. Uh, but both cool cool moments. Uh, Star Wars Four Life says the simultaneous actions of all taking place at once. Simultaneous actions all taking place at once. Ray and Kylo fighting alongside against the Praetorian guards, then uh, conflicting when it comes to the right path to take. Finn and Rose about to be executed, then a timely disaster strikes in BB-8's man, uh, BB-8 man's and ATST. All this while Holdo sacrifices her life to keep the resistance alive, jumping into light speed through the supremacy. The score during this whole uh, sequence is incredible. So um, all of the interconnected points during the the throne room fight between Kylo and Rey. So good stuff there. Uh, Alejandro 2777 says, easy, the credits, but from which film? Um, Guess them all. Yeah, Ted Simons says the same things when the credits rolled. <laughs> Um, and then Mando Pirate says the Ray and Kylo duel in TFA. So, all right. Uh, Good job, thank team. you to everybody who responded to that one. I'm surprised that we got as many positive responses know, as we did. I know. That, that's why I ran them all. I mean, we typically pick and choose, but I was like, hey, you know what? This is a this is surprising to me. So, yeah, let's, so. let's show that, hey, Star Wars fans can be positive about the sequels. Indeed, they can. So, good stuff there. Thank you all for replying to the question of the week. Now, we're going to move into. Our top five Star Wars fan art features of the week to get involved in this segment. Make sure you add tag at Star Wars Time Show on all of your Star Wars uh, art posts on the Instagram. That's how I find you when I pick the top five every Monday. Uh, so make sure to do that. Add tag at Star Wars Time Show and then also use the hashtag Star Wars Time Show on those posts. So to kick off the top five for this week, we have Peruvian Padawan. And he gives us some awesome shots of uh, Paz Vizsla here, heavy Mando from the uh, Mandalorian TV series. And it's just uh, it's just Paz doing his thing. You know, it's, he's got his big ass Gatling gun, machine gun, and he's just letting it loose. And then the next uh, shot over there is an awesome uh, wrist flamethrower <laughs> shot as well. So. It's like he's uh, cleaning the cleaning those mountains where they're all holed up in season three, right? He's yeah, like, he's, he's like, like I'm gonna spray down those flying bastards that are taking all our kids away. Yeah, he's he's blasting away at the rock to create the opening to the cave. There you, you go. Know, it a, but I, yeah, it was it was a cool scene. Uh, that is a badass fire effect, though. I'll give the you fire, that. say the fire looks. I mean, the fire probably is real, but the way yeah. that he got it to look so good. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that no, was good. Good edit really, there for sure. 
really sick stuff from Peruvian Padawan on Instagram. Next up. Woo woo. Collectibles Nat. And who were we just talking about? There she is. Ray. Ray Skywalker, Ray, whatever you want to call it. In her white Ray. form. Yes. So uh, this is an awesome shot of, uh, of you know, Scav Ray with her old, uh, you know, her stick. Well, actually, this isn't Scav Ray. This is like the Ray from Tia, from Tron. Oh, yeah, this, this, is, this is full on Jedi Tr- Knight, yeah. Ray, if you want to call it. She, I would assume she's a Jedi Knight at this point in time. Yeah, it's a Tross, it's Tross Ray carrying her old, uh, you know, her old... What is it? Not quite like I don't know if they actually her, gave her a staff. Name. Her staff, her, her, yeah, her just bow her staff. staff. Yeah. yeah, her original beater that she was beating people with, yeah. and uh, on Jakku. Yeah, but uh, it's just a great shot of her standing on uh, a couple of rocks, probably on Tatooine or somewhere around there, maybe on Jakku with a nice little uh, sunlit background there. It's just a a really good shot of uh, Tross Ray. I wish I got this Ray in Hot Toys. There's three Rays I did not get in Hot Toys. Scav. Island Journey and this one. I have Jedi Training Ray from TLJ, believe it or not, but mm. not these guys. All right, good good work there from Collectibles. And that got to be um, from Pittsburgh, I'm telling and you. And that. <laughs> uh, Bum dot. Next up, he gets oh, love this, all over this show. This guy, yeah, I know. This guy's getting more airtime. What the hell is going on with us? Uh, yeah, press pause photography. Connor, our good friend from <laughs> Beyond the Dune Sea, makes our top five as well I'm this such week. Such a cocksucker. With an awesome uh, different throne room shot than what we've talked about before. This is throne room shot from ROTJ, the original throne room scene, uh, where we see Luke and his father, Darth Vader, with crossed blades. Um, And in the background, you see the delighted face of Palpatine as the two Skywalkers fight to see who will ultimately become his apprentice in his mind. Um, but it was, it's just a sick shot. I mean, the face on that Luke figure is insane, man. Like it's damn good. There's no, I mean, uh, this guy produces good content for a reason. Like, I mean, he's, it's just something he's good at. I mean, like I said, the reels over there, I love them. And I usually will not watch anyone else's Star Wars content, but these guys, and it's because press pauses is just, he's, he's an artiste. That Luke, uh, Nick is the, um, the Mandalorian hot toy Luke. At least, a, okay. at least a head sculpt. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the best head sculpts I've ever seen on any figure. Like, that's really crazy. Yeah. That no, it looks it, that It looks realistic. great. I mean, it's a fantastic shot. The, the I mean, even the lightsaber effects are okay. some of the best. I mean, they just pop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it's funny. Like, getting a red lightsaber is probably the hardest effect, at least for me. Because red, a lot of times, if you don't have a dark background, will wash out. Yeah, getting it to pop like that. I mean, the green looks sexy too. Anyways, that's our boy press underscore pause underscore photography, and for some reason, one more underscore. That's right. He loves those underscores. All right, next up, Umbra toy photography or Umbra toy photos. (laughs) Like this one's just sick because it's like it's. I I guess you could call it a mashup, but it's really not. uh, Honestly, Nick. From a Vader comic, he is on a horse mount. So okay. it's so the, not that far out of the realm of possibility. So what we're seeing then here is, you know, comic-inspired Vader on the back of an all-black stallion. That's <laughs> great. That is, like, reared it's up reared on up. his hind yeah, legs. So the horse is reared up. The and, front and, legs are up. <laughs> and Vader's got, like, this pose, like this old-school, yeah. like, 1800s general. Oh, silver! Yeah, he's got his saber ignited. One hand on the reins, kind of leaning back. His cape is flowing. 
the background charge time. It was, it's sick, man. It's sick. The background of this is awesome too. Kind of like this sun speckled, uh, like cloud background. I mean, this one, I saw this, I was like, this is just so fucking cool. Like, of course this makes the top five. Yeah. Yeah. No, Umbra, Umbra toy photos is, is a talent. Definitely an account you should be uh, following and looking out for. They, they do like very dynamic scene builds. And then sometimes you'll get these kick-ass portraits type of shots. Yeah. So good stuff there at Umbra Toy Photos on the Instagram. The last one is a click to open because the embed did not work. Well, hold uh, on, Nick. I pre-planned and I'm, I actually have a bonus shot after this one. But oh, I did I did have Panda ready for you. There we go. So, yes, this one is underscore Panda dot photo on the Instagram. They're giving us an awesome uh, full armored wrecker shot. Uh, obviously, we got the Bad Batch coming up soon. So seeing our good boy Rekka in his full armor, just like he's holding uh, a modified uh, B1 battle droid, uh, clearly has cut that thing down. And you can see him just in the middle of a firefight, standing there full on firing back as Wrecker does. Um, so just a sick shot of Wrecker in his full armor. Yeah, dig it. Dig it. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Bad Batch. I'm actually waiting for my Hot Toys record to show up. So looking good there, Panda. I, I think these are not... Yeah, these are the Hot Toys. So good looking shot of of the big meathead. Indeed. All right, like I said, I got... Before you shut us down, just a mm -hmm. quick honorable mention. The only reason I'm doing this, Nick, is because like myself, this person doesn't post a lot anymore. So when they post, it's kind of a big deal. We're talking about our old friend... Former guest host of the SWTS, Mr. Jason Young, at work more or less. He's I got did. a great, great uh, Kenobi wreck shot with custom heads from Fet Clone. They just look saucy. I mean, awesome. I mean, like Jason is is one of those master craftsmen in the in the toy photography space, and uh, whenever he puts out anything, you know it's of top quality. And and this shot is no different. Like the guy really understands everything yeah. about this craft and you yeah, can just, see just it a little bit just a little bit but <laughs> also to highlight at fet.clones sculpt work i mean this guy i'm sure you've heard about him from press pause i think when he was on the show he was talking about him fet clone can take your you know your 20 25 dollar black series figures and with his head sculpts make them look like miniature hot toys so uh and, and this image captures it all right nick go ahead that's take us home. it that's the end of the top five with the great honorable mention of work more or less that's the end of our show for this week so matt go ahead and close us up. you got it fun time as always my friend hopefully those of you in the peanut gallery enjoyed yourselves dropping the chat i appreciate you all being active and just taking time out of your tuesday nights to come hang with young nick and i it's always more fun when you know we have an active audience so kudos to you all fandos you earned your you earned your episode this week and by earn, I mean, we're going to start making you guys pay for this shit. Because it seems like the more you make people pay for content, the more people watch it. It makes no sense to me. But that's just the younger generations in general. So I'm finally going to start looking into the YouTube channel memberships. I saw Beyond the Dune C using them. And there, there are some cool little things you can do there with, you know, little emojis that are exclusive to members or icons that only members can use in live chat so we'll be looking at that just just keep your eyes peeled who knows when that will happen i know i just said it now so it'll probably happen this time next year 
but it's a plan. So in between now and then, all we need you to do is keep going out there stumping from your good old buddies at the SWTS. Just let people know we do a weekly show. We drop a podcast version, a live stream version. Plus, we clip the living hell out of it thanks to our new AI employee, Opus. So keep an eye out on the your reels, your TikToks, your YouTube shorts. We try to put out at least one video a day, if not two. I'm trying to spruce them up a little bit. So I would love some feedback. I am taking, uh, I'm getting inspiration from Connor's work. I'm trying to make our clips of the show a little more stylized. You know, when, when we're talking about something, I might add a clip or at least an image. So check them out. Give us some feedback. Like them. Share them. That's the important, important step. I'm being serious, people. I, I know you're probably not seeing a lot of our content after our account got whacked and we're trying to rebuild. But on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, try to go out of your way at least once or twice a week and just see what the old dudes are putting up there on SWTS. And if it's something that looks cool, simple share. All right? If I can do it for Beyond the Dune Sea, which is essentially a Jesus-like move on my part, the rest of you can do it for us a few times a week. I'm not saying every day, just a few days. All right, people, there's always time for Star Wars time. Never forget it. And we really don't want you to forget that if you listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you always. Always.